3: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the ScoutCast, brought to you by Fantasy Football Scout. We are back for our first pre-season stream. We've got two of these lined up, one next Monday, and then before we know it, the season will be starting again. For all those that don't know me, my name is Andy, FPL Mode, and I'm also joined by my two ever-reliable, ever-brilliant fantasy football managers as well. Seb, how's it going, Seb?
4: All right, mate. Not bad, not bad. I like that you said ever-reliable. I was just thinking as you're doing the intro... I was thinking, I remember like two, two and a half months ago saying, next season, I'll be like, chill when we come into these. I'll be prepared. <laughs> I'll be ready. What was it? About 7.53, I think I text going like, wait, there was one more thing just as I went out of the shower. <laughs> so So, yeah, yeah, I'm... Oh, I'm here so we'll, we'll
3: do it. How are you my friend? You, you literally text us at, at 10 to 8 going I'll be 15 minutes lads. Yeah because <laughs> I was not at
4: 8 mate so yeah. You, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Lovely stuff but uh, no yeah not too bad mate obviously enjoying the summer. Uh, summers are very different when you're a parent obviously you'll know that uh, but it's uh, enjoying it quite a lot anyway and obviously looking forward to getting back into the swing of things. Uh, Rich how are you doing my man?
2: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And as we're confessing things, I remember I was—I said I was gonna try. Oh, I was thinking in my head I was gonna try and help more with you know putting together data like Seb does, <laughs> and I definitely didn't, did I? No. <laughs> I just opened there's a table, there's a table in there. There's a table from you
3: in there. <laughs> there is a table. There is a table. It's a rich table. It's lovely, and it's not goalkeepers either. Uh, so that that should be fun. But uh, I did yeah, no. it. No, you also said you were going to sort your camera out for me as well. Um... Oh, have I not? I mean, you're still zoomed in.
2: That's true. I was going to paint the wall grey as well.
3: Well, I mean, we are. So anybody that hasn't listened to this before, we keep up (laughs) our promises. Every week we'll be here. (laughs) Um, Before I move any further, uh, thank you so much for everybody that's joined us tonight. We've got over 100 people in the chat already. We are here every Monday. And I've realised, by the way, that means our first Game Week Scoutcast is going to be while the Man United game's going on. Not overly happy about that, but uh, that should be interesting. Uh, Seb's like, oh, yeah. Um, We are going to be here, like I said, every Monday, and we go through everything that's coming up in the game week, everything that's happened in the game week, trying to make your overall ranks just that little bit better. And speaking about overall ranks, we just... Ought to really do a little bit of kind of history as to who we are and uh what we're doing on this, really. Um, Seb, should we start with you? Tell us a little bit about yourself, tell us about how you are as a manager. Uh, we'll start good and we'll get worse as we go on.
4: Well, that sounds like that sounds like my management style. <laughs> uh, um, oh goodness, yeah. Well, this is the bit I, I messaged you, wasn't I? I was like, Oh, I'll prepare something. Oh, I have nothing prepared. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I. I suppose I prefer like an analytical approach but I know the whole Grass FC and analytics FC thing I, I, it's all it's all just you know different languages for the same thing right so yeah my my preference is to is to maybe look at you know look at some numbers try and draw some graphs out stuff like that but I do watch playing football as well I'm a Leeds fan uh, which used to be useful is not useful anymore although when Leeds first got promoted to the Premier League a couple of years ago and I think that was the first time I was doing this with with you and and Joe, cool. I think yeah. um, I had a really bad season. I thought 130k or something, which I'd like to blame on on Lee's getting promoted and me just bottling it. Because rather than like one thing to, I tried to avoid like biasing myself towards my team. But we obviously did well, so I think I biased myself against us. I never owned Dallas. Oh, I cool. barely owned Bamford, and yeah, it went badly. But uh, around that, my seasons have gone okay. I think I think it's three top five okay. ks in four or something like that um oh so, they've
3: been yeah. okay yeah they've been okay haven't they yeah. oh shut up <laughs> um
4: i mean there's no, no FPL, harry is it but um yeah no they're okay but i mean there's lots of luck in there right because last year i think last year i spent most of this scout cast sort of going like oh season's not so great yeah. whatever and i sort of just snuck up just along you 2 as well like we were all really similar mm-hmm. and then there was just a jammy shout at the end right that took me a few Wow. Tens of k's up. You had a, so, few. That's you how had it a few.
3: Not jammy either. Like they were they, you had a few. You went Wilson instead of Isak when we both went Isak. And obviously you went Kane captain at the end as well, didn't you? I mean they were enough to they jump you up like, quite a few. Yeah. Look at him. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I
4: did and we'd call yeah. him out
2: for the Saka captaincy as well, but yeah. we all did that. Otherwise that was <laughs> that was jammy.
4: Oh the one the one that went uh yeah, so remember the World Cup break when I think I we you know, we all had real similar teams, yeah. And I dropped Saka and brought in Foden. And that, oh, that yes. hurt. It took me most of the season to recover from that. Might have actually yeah. got, a, might have got like a silly rank if I'd not done that. But yeah.
3: But you, I mean, comfortably some beautiful overall ranks there, you know, from the last four seasons. If you had to say, you've already said kind of analytics is the way you go. If you had to describe yourself as a manager really quickly for anybody that hasn't listened to us before, how would you describe yourself really quickly?
4: Um, I guess one of the reasons I like analytics is it removes some of the innate human bias in you know games like football things that we're going to do and I'm believe it or not I actually am normally quite an impulsive person and someone who can be led by emotion and I think the thing that made me approach FPL in a different way is recognizing that and going well you know what if I try and take that out of my game maybe I'll be better so yeah I spend most of my time trying to second guess any biases that I'm bringing into it and I find that an analytical approach helps me that other people may find the opposite
3: yeah, lovely stuff. And usually if we have any kind of uh, analytical segment in our in our pod, Seb usually kind of goes for that as well. And he's absolutely brilliant with assessing teams and who to target and what could be continuing to happen in games and things like that. So we are very much appreciative of having Seb on our pod. Rich, you are slightly different to Seb in the way you, you approach the game. I think you're, uh, probably your best finish is better than Seb's but you're a little bit more spiky potentially, uh, but we love having you on here because you're different. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. I've had, this feels a bit like when you start a new job and you have to pretend you like yeah. cooking and going to the cinema. And <laughs> it really does feel Do like you? that, but <laughs> oh, I don't like either. What's your oh. biggest
4: what's your, what's your biggest weakness? Well, I'm just too committed to the job. Yeah. Like I'm just, <laughs> sometimes I'm just too good. It's My captains
2: are just yeah. too crazily good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm. I think I'm trying to be a little more like Seb, as in I used to be quite reckless. Um, but it got me quite a lot of good ranks back in the day. Like there'd always be these big moments where I'd, I, would I mean, I know looking back now, I got lucky. Things like captaining Aguero and he got a hat trick when Pookie. he was, you know, very low owned. Pookie. Um. So and Pookie, yeah, and yeah. Pookie. Um. But yeah, so. I did quite well, but I think I was reckless and I'm trying to rein it in a little bit because what four seasons ago now I finished 750,000. So I did start using analytics to, you know, sense check some of my decisions. I mean, I'm not averse to to risky picks. Sometimes I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't always get nervous over them. Although there was a few things at the end of last season I regret where I didn't, you know, like we we mentioned the Wilson v. Isaac thing. Yeah. And I think I didn't take the risk there. So mm. I'm definitely a lot safer than I yeah, used yeah. to be. Um,
3: do you find that the last three or four years with all the postponements, COVID, Queen deaths, all that kind of stuff, has meant that your, st- sorry, Queen deaths and stuff, uh, has <laughs> has um, hurt your style of play, if that makes sense. Because taking those risks when, you know, so many teams have double game, all that kind of stuff, do you feel like that's had something to do with it a little bit?
2: Maybe. I mean, the 750k k year, just to mention, you know, the, the worst one. Yeah. Um, that felt like every single move I did just yeah. went wrong. I remember bringing in three Arsenal players and not it wasn't even postponements. It was stuff, Aubameyang got malaria, Saka <laughs> got injured, Tierney got injured. And I'd done like a minus 12 to bring in three Arsenal yeah. that nobody had, for example. So, I mean, there's always luck, isn't there? there? There can be good luck. I mean, after the World Cup last year, I think at the World Cup, I was about 800k, 900k. Yeah. And then I had a run of incredible luck. Yeah. And I caught you both up for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it swings roundabouts, isn't it? It's consistently having that luck for the entire year. Yeah. And even I mean, Seb came what four K last year, mm. and still had you know moments of bad luck.
3: Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You already I mentioned
4: think. It, yeah. So you kind of mentioned there, which I was just sort of thinking, like maybe to better answer your your question, Andy. I think the thing that I'd like to try to be as a manager and doesn't mean I'll succeed in this, is I feel like, especially with where uh, FPL is now, right, there's so much information out there, whether that be just lineups, models, content creators giving you advice, uh, people are just better at playing the floor of the game, right? No one is anywhere near as bad as they used to be if they Mm -hmm. choose to engage. So I guess what we're all trying to do is push that ceiling, right? And we know the ceiling is so luck-based that that's a really hard thing to do. And so I think an approach that really resonates with me Is not trying to push the ceiling every week just just be happy to hold on to that floor and stay there and stay there and stay there until there's an opportunity and then go for it so really maximize the opportunities when they come along but don't take too many of them so i don't know for some sort of terrible cycling analogy you've got your peloton stay in that peloton let other people do the work whatever and then when the opportunity comes nip out in front now of course to nip out in front you need the luck right mine was wilson But I went for it once with Foden, I guess, at Christmas, and it went wrong. I went with it with Wilson, and it went right. But if you're doing that every single week, I think you're going to damage your rank more than you help your rank.
3: Peloton's the new template, isn't it? That's what everybody's saying (laughs) now. Stay in the Peloton. Oh, is that that
4: actually a. It is,
3: yeah. That's what people are starting to call it. I must have scored
4: past that. And then, yeah. (laughs)
3: Um, And last but very much least uh, is me. I'm comfortably probably the worst manager here in terms of overall ranks and things like that, but I'm, I'm not awful i wouldn't say i am definitely here because i'm i'm the most handsome um but but they thank you, you thank you've you, not really
2: had a bad season
3: uh yeah, do you know what we were looking at this the other day weren't we because um uh they brought out their kind of overall how you've gone in your lifetime kind of thing and i don't think i've had one uh, below two hundred thousand. but that was oh, nice like 15 years ago whatever it was so i've got like 15 years worth of overall ranks Uh, so that helps a bit i've got got like
4: 400ks when there was only 500k people playing or something yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) but um but there you go so that's us in a nutshell. Thank you so much for joining us for the first time. We will not do this every week, so don't worry, um, unless there's someone new on. You never know if we ditch Rich at some point. Um, so, let, moving, forward. <laughs> moving forward then, what are we going to be talking about tonight? Uh, let's get into it a little bit. We're going to be talking about Liverpool. We're going to be talking about uh, their average positions. We're going to be talking about Trent, because that is a big thing that everybody's talking about at the moment is Trent. And we're going to be looking a little bit at their matches uh, from last season. We're going to be looking at Chelsea. We're going to be looking at their tactics. We're going to be looking at Nkunku, especially, because because uh he is proven to be very popular for probably for a good reason. Going to be looking at Brighton Rich's going to talk us through Brighton a little bit with with his table. Oh yes. Uh and then we're going to be having a little look at Arsenal as well in particular their midfielders. We're going to look at two drafts. We're not going to show you our drafts. The reason is because they are practically identical, <laughs> uh, even though we only realised that tonight when we sent them to each other. So we're going to show you a three-five-two and a three-four-three. That's one that we've kind of made up uh, on the spot, but we think they're going to be quite good anyway. We're going to play a little game that's going to be a regular every week. We're going to be playing some over or under with uh, with players' points, which would be quite nice as well. Uh, and then we're going to do the comedy. No prep for that. At the end, we're going to do the community team at the end. We have a new way of doing the community team this year and I'm hoping the person that's going to help us is in the chat ready for us as well. Uh, we are also going to do a bit of a and a at the end too. So it should be quite a good evening. So Seb, we're going to start with you, my friend, and sorry... You're not going to be able to do any prep for the over and under at the end now because you are going to talk us through Liverpool. I've put Liverpool's average positions up on the screen. These are from their two uh, friendlies they've done so far. Talk us through what you've noticed.
4: Um, yeah, Rich, take over. I need to. I need to win the game. Um, sure. So I think uh, starting a new starting a new season uh, on a, on a new pod is always an interesting one because you could go super high level or we could go a bit specific. I think we've gone somewhere in the middle. So there's a few things we won't mention tonight. Hopefully we can mention it next week. But we've picked out a few questions, I guess, that might be interesting to look into. So starting with Liverpool and then specifically looking at this idea of was it the last 10 games last season or so, they changed their, their approach, their structure. Uh, and by eye, that seemed to work. But I wanted to ask if on paper that actually has worked and therefore should we pay more or less respect to them in an FPL sense uh and then also Trent obviously he was the big proponent of how that's changed so so what's changed in his position we're going to look at some stats and stuff maybe next week this is a slightly more general look, look at their at their formation uh and then really Liverpool because we're not seeing them in many drafts at the moment yeah Salah's expensive and maybe Trent's expensive so is there maybe a reason we can we can change that up and go for someone? so starting here with a couple of the pre-season friendlies. There's a few we'll look at here uh, as examples. The first one is against uh, Furt, and then we have Leicester as well. The reason I pulled these two out, obviously there's only three to choose from, but I thought they were interesting to illustrate what we've seen from Liverpool in the past and what we might see going forward. Important to mention that if you're watching this on the screen, on the left-hand side, Liverpool are going from bottom to top attacking, and on the right-hand side, they're going from top to bottom. So you would need to need to flip those. Maybe I should have done that. Um this is from surface core by the way so thanks for surface core for the images uh on the left-hand side we still see the same sort of structure at the back with two which is this thing that's become popular right you know your two three four one or whatever whatever variation of that that arsenal city liverpool have started using typically inverting a fullback but also you know what happens with those two other midfielders whether one pushes up to go into a 10 or what have you the left-hand side is interesting because of the front rather than the defence or the middle. So Trent notionally started at six in this game. He's number 66 there. You can see him right in the middle of the pitch. Uh, and on the right-hand side, he actually started at right back but that is kind of in the same position. So we'll look at him in detail in a minute. But that front three, which I believe is Diaz, uh, Jota, Hakpo is 18 there just behind. And 50, I want to say, wasn't I dumb, cannot remember who that was. Oh, thank you, Dirk. Yeah, Dunk. Thank you. Who's amazing, by the way. But I don't think it's going to be an FPL option anytime soon. So what we see there is actually almost like the old front three. The two wide players pushing the arrow and forward, the centre forward number nine actually dropping off, which is what Jota's going to do if he plays that position. Jota uh, and Hakpo, who I guess sort of played almost a ten. He lined up almost at eight, played ten there, not the striker. So that is almost the old four three three or a bit of the four two three one, if you like but of course with this idea of the 2 and the 4 which is what we're going to see you know across across these formations on the right hand side then again we still have those two center backs that's obviously going to stay we then have trent who started at right back here and has come into that central midfield position and then on the left hand side we have Robertson you can see him in both graphics he's actually occupying a very very similar position where he does get high of course but he may well come narrow especially in this new shape he's probably going to get less high than he used to but he is still Robertson he's going to push on even if he's meant to be forming a back three in defense but the interesting bit again here is now we see an actual proper number nine that is almost a traditional nine with four in behind so that nine is Darwin Nunez we then have Salah on the right hand side Lots of discussion over his position, but I think that looks promising enough and we'll look in a bit more detail in a moment. Uh, 42 on the left-hand side is Clark. Now, he in theory starts in a midfield three, but what he's been doing here is pushing out and providing that width on the left-hand side. And then we have uh, Jota and the number 10, who is McAllister there, forming those two behind. In the previous graphic, you see McAllister a little bit deeper, but you could see how it might form that same shape if Hakobo wasn't involved. This is the one on the right-hand side that interests me the most, and it's maybe, does that make Darwin an option? Now I know, you know, i a big fan of Darwin in the past, so I will leave that alone for now, because it's going to be Hakpo, it's going to be Darwin, it could be Jota as well we see in that nine role, and that's going to very much change how they play it. One traditional nine, and then maybe two more that drop off a bit more like the old Firmino role. But the takeaways for me are those two different attacking shapes. I think Salah will be fine in both, and if we get a nine like Darwin playing, I'd be very encouraged by that. And then one last bit would be McAllister playing more of a 10 than an eight. Mm. But I think, unfortunately, with penalties probably no longer his, he likely isn't an option. We're probably looking at forwards, Trent, Salah, maybe a Diaz or a Jota or a Hackbo.
3: Yeah. And the other big thing as well, which I know you've left out there because you know it's coming up next, is Trent, isn't it? Because Trent is playing that kind of inverted role a little bit at the moment because they don't have that defensive midfielder. That is going to be, obviously these games were maybe a little bit easier, but they don't have that defence midfielder. It looks like Fabinho's gone or Fabinho has gone. They are looking at Lavia, but they haven't got Lavia in yet. So Trent is seemingly at the moment kind of coming into the kind of central midfield role. And we're looking at kind of does that diminish him a little bit? And I know, Seb, you've made these tables here to kind of show where he's been playing so far. What's your impression of this at the moment in terms of he's an 8 million defender now? If you're going to invest in someone like Trent, and we know he has, you know, been absolutely amazing value for years, you know, he's been one of the best assets in FPL for years and years. But looking at this now, if this is going to become a regular, what are you thinking about his value so far this season?
4: I mean, is that a good time to move on to the next slide? Oh, you have already, are you you the host yeah. Supreme. You spent Hostess the summer pra- thing, yeah. Uh, you'd have been sat there OBS over the summer going, now, now, wow. do the screen. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the puns then. Uh, so, yeah, I think like the overall structure is interesting and obviously we've seen this change in shape and I do have something as whether it's been effective at the moment. Trent, as you say, really expensive, probably ridiculously given I think he's been cheap in the last few years, too expensive in a relative sense. Hmm. If you know other defenders, other midfielders, strikers, whatever, also a bit more expensive. But it basically feels like him, Salah and Harland have been priced up to maybe where they should be. Although Harland's still about 85% owned, so he probably hasn't. Yeah. Or alternatives aren't competitive enough. Maybe with Kane not being anyone who's looking at it at the moment. So I think, I think a lot of drafts won't have him, and I think that's fair because for me, I want him at right back, and even if that's inverting as we'll maybe see in these graphics in a second. I think that's slightly better. I don't expect him to start at six, and I can cover that. But his real threat from an FPL sense comes from being on the right, putting balls into the box, and obviously we have set pieces as well. He isn't necessarily going to be doing that anymore. Now, Liverpool, in a real-life football sense, may get even more out of him, but I don't think we will as FPL managers, hmm. despite him being good at the end of the last season, but have a look at that in the moment as well. So these are the three friendlies that we have on screen uh from liverpool's preseason so far the first two we've also already seen one of the first matches but this is and then against uh carl's as well where in both these matches trent you can see 66 in the middle there started at number six notionally now liverpool are trying to sign a number six whether that's polino i think might be injured now actually or or lavia yeah. they are trying to sign someone so that trent doesn't have to you know live in midfield anymore but they do need a six and i think if they start the season without there's a chance he plays there maybe tiago maybe goes to right back uh the player playing at right back in his absence is connor bradley i think is his name um who's a recruit from last year and is very talented he's been doing an impression of this inverted right back role that trent would do you can see him number 26 there and a couple of the graphics. Um he does also get forward down the right-hand side but will come inside. So even if Trent goes back to the right back, I think that's a clear sign that he's going to be inverting. Right, the old Trent is gone. We have a we have a new order with a little structure. And that's as much around possession and how they want the field to work as how they want Trent to work. The thing you can see around then the numbers here which are the players is Trent's heat map specifically. So in those first two where he's playing 6, a lot more central, maybe not quite as much in the areas that I want him for FPL. The left-hand side the first one you know there is a bit you can see on Salah's number there right he's he's over where Salah would be which is obviously where Salah's then are going to come inside and uh and have that goal threat he's the furthest forward in that graphic as well which is nice at the bottom just beneath the arrows that show which way we're going I've also put Trent's touches and Liverpool's possession in those matches just for an idea of you know if those touches mean anything so in the first match yeah 64 touches from the sixth possession sixth position but Liverpool have nearly 70% possession. So that's huge. And actually, 64 probably isn't that high compared to other sixes or or players that would control possession in teams with 70% possession. Uh, in the middle match there, he has 33 touches with 55%, which, which is all right, not great. Uh, and then finally against Leicester when he's playing the right back, but obviously inverted. So his average position is quite similar to the two previous matches. But the bit that interests me is obviously your average. If you get one here and one here, your average is in the middle. But what interests me is, okay, cool. Sometimes he picks up in defence, sometimes he's in central midfield. But is he in the positions I want him in for FPL? Mm. It's one match, it's pre-season, but that's the one that encourages me most, where he's actually getting in those positions where Salah's going to tuck in and he's going to be able to deliver balls into the box, which is what matters for us. 55 touches there, 62% possession, about in the middle of the two. But enough for me to think, if that's where he plays, from right back, not midfield, even though he's inverting, I would consider him, even if maybe he's a bit expensive. If he's at six, which I don't think he will be, but if they don't sign a six as a chance, I will go nowhere near him.
3: Yeah. What's your your take on it, Rich? Because everything that I'm reading, everything that Seb said there so eloquently as well, it worries me that I'm spending eight million on somebody that I'm not sure where they're going to be playing, how effective they're going to be. It's not like back in the day when we had someone like Leighton Baines at that price where you always knew he was going to be playing left back. He was on the free kicks. He was on the corners. Like you're not necessarily getting that now, especially with some of the people they brought in, like Jobber who's going to be on some set pieces. Is is this just everything is going to be hurting Trent and don't get him to start with getting for 7.5 million in 10 weeks time.
0: I think what's
2: what's hurting him is being the pricing of other players. I yeah. think his pricing it felt perfect at the time because it was one of the first ones they did. But then when the value of everyone else is so high, I think that's why a lot of us have started taking Trent and Salah out of their team, not because yeah. they're bad assets. What's interesting though, looking at this, and I know there's risk over Robertson's minutes, and I get that he could play, you know, in in you know in a back three, etc. But you look at the heat map of Robertson on, on here. Then I just looked at while Seb was talking and that was brilliant. I, I went through Sofa score and I mean, Trent's not really had touches in the box. I mean, as as you can see on, on the screen, Robertson across the three same three games, he's only played, I think, 45 minutes in the three. Had It looks like six touches in the box
1: hmm.
2: and, and a couple of shots. So while there may be risk over Robertson's minutes, for example, he's the same price as Trippier. Yeah. So I know this is going much more into strategy talk, but you could... If you can't afford Trent, maybe you could look at Robertson and then you've got an easy move to Trippier when their fixtures improve from, from memory. It's game week four. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of good arguments against against him. So I think the problem with Trent is he's just so much more expensive than yeah. you know the other defenders.
3: And and the fixtures aren't amazing. Like they they've got Bournemouth game week two. I would, which, like, which him yeah, I would
2: no, like him though. Yeah,
3: no, I would like, like him. It, it
2: really is. It depends <laughs> on the other players. Because if I can afford him, as in, you know, I pick my flowers I want, I've got a nice that first sub, and I can afford Trent. I'm going to go for Trent. Yeah. Regardless of if he's right back or playing at six, I'll just go for Trent. Yeah. And it, um, but then it just got me thinking about Robertson because it is quite a big saving at one and a half million.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't, yeah. I don't
2: know. Have either of you considered that? I because I hadn't until just then.
3: It was the worry with Simicus that it worried me with Robertson. It, yeah. Is that it? Uh, not that I expect it to happen, but imagine you get him, knowing that that Bournemouth game is really why you want him. And yeah, it would be a short- game, term like, play. It yeah, would literally
2: exactly. be three weeks then switch to trips,
3: yeah,
4: yeah I yeah. think I, I a quick correction I should throw in as well. twenty six is Robertson, of course, you have just mentioned that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, the chat mentioned that. Thank you for the correction. I read my own chart upside down. The point I was making ever, however, about Bradley, who was eighty four. You can see him on the right hand side on that left left hand graphic tucked in, but also, you know, actually as far forward as as Robertson just tucked in a little more and a bit more crowded because that's well of a ball holding possession. Which leads me just on to the Robertson one. I think it's an interesting shout. He's six and a half, isn't he? Which, if it was Robertson of old and Liverpool of old, which is, you know, your 4-3-3, flying fullbacks, the heavy metal football, brilliant, great price. And I think, was it almost four years ago where there was that Robertson or Trent question and actually going Robertson almost edged it because it was a little bit cheaper. And then, yeah, everyone ended up on both. Trent Trent was always better. Okay, fair. But I think for for, for the value, do you think Robertson was like, I think he asked the question, right?
2: I remember one year Trent was cheaper than cheaper than Robertson after Robertson had that breakout season
1: fair. FPL wise. Mm. I remember I, a I season guess where Trent was. Trump Robert was, five. was like
4: there first, wasn't he, in terms yeah. of as an as an as an option? Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair. But I think so. If it was that Robertson, yes, definitely, because that's a good saving. But I I, I don't think we're going to see enough. And I think as well with the structure, with the it's not just the formations and you know the average positions like we're showing here. There is a move to. Trying to hold a bit more possession. The signings, uh, your you know, your McAllister, your sort of lie they are trying to maybe just change a little bit how they play. There's still the press off mm-hmm. the ball, and that's actually a big thing they're working on, I think, because the defense hasn't been that great. Um, and obviously Trent moving inside as well. Some of the arguments are that's to try and cover the defense because Henderson, when he bombed on, Henderson used to drop and cover. those. was Fabino who mm-hmm. could come into like a back two to make a three as well. Since those players have dropped off and now left, I think think and people have recognized right how to how to get around the press and how to then expose trent i think they are looking for solutions to that i don't know if this is the solution the solution it still leaves the same area the pitch open it just means they can do different things in possession and i think the things they're trying to do in possession don't suit robertson as much as they used to i'd be worried about him dropping into a back three more often than he appeared in the opposition box yeah
2: and that's the, that's the worry with him i just got thinking looking at these heat maps he's not far off and then if you actually go i know i didn't tell you about this before but if you go on sofa score you know an app that has you know the heat maps he's got all the touches in the box trent doesn't have that obviously i understand what trent offers um, obviously trent offers a lot and yeah. if they were the same price I'd, I'd go for trent and i'm probably not going to go for robertson but it just got me thinking because i haven't seen much discussion around robertson so, so i mean if you know if we were confident in his minutes I think there's a conversation there, especially because a few people, like I know you had it, Andy,
4: where you had a couple of million, didn't know how to spend it.
3: Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah.
4: But I, I mean... think you've alluded to there as well with Trent. Like, even though if he's notionally playing in midfield, and even if his average position is further forward, as we said, that's average position. Position. It's average position. <laughs> First one of the new season. Um, it's no. not average position that we really care about, right? It's furthest forward position, and how often does that occur? And I think in this new role, Trent is even though you might think he'd be further forward he's going to get further forward less than he used yeah. to and in in lesser mm. dangerous positions even if he's more even if he's higher more often um so yeah i mean i think i think we're probably making the argument here to to look past both right
3: well that's that's the question i was going to ask now so before we move off of liverpool just talk to me about trent it's really really quickly seb are you going to be starting with trent this season i don't think so no. no rich ooh
2: no, be, I, I thought I was was going to. There were three players I thought were essential. It would need some major enablers to come in, yeah, like Brownhill to be on penalties and move to City. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can't think of a scenario. I can't think of a genuine scenario where that's going to change. But
3: Brownhill on penalties at City then I can up yeah. <laughs> But even then,
2: Brown has 5 million, so it probably needs to be a 4.5 million that moves. But
3: yeah. you get uh, what I'm
2: saying, though. It doesn't really depend on Trent. It's not a knock on Trent. It's just... Oh, no, 100%. Of our teams, yeah. And, and yeah.
3: I see that all the time. People saying things like, yeah, but Trent's Trent. You've got to have him. And it's like, yeah, but... You can have Trent if he's, you know, 5 million, but if he's 8 million, it makes a difference. And that's why they've done it. Um, that's for- the thing.
2: And the sacrifice you make to get to Trent is actually kind of similar to the financial sacrifice to get to Salah. And then yeah. with Salah, you've got the game week two captaincy. You've got a captaincy of Haaland's benched or injured in the Super Cup, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I'm leaning more towards if I'm going to go for a Liverpool player, you know, a premium one, it's probably going to be Salah over Trent.
3: Yeah. Um FPL Farrell's in the chat, by the way, saying uh, Rich 15 minutes ago said, Yeah, I'm trying to be a safer manager now. 15 minutes later, let's put on Robbo, lads. <laughs> <laughs> I just <didn't> safer. <laughs> um, right, uh Seb, we've got up here the Chelsea team from when they play Brighton. Now, Chelsea are a bit of a nightmare at the moment in terms of they are greatly reducing their squad they've sold a ridiculous amount of players already they're bringing in players at a ridiculous pace as well they're already being linked they are being linked with Sanchez now they might I don't know why Todd Bowley bought Chelsea he might as well have just bought Brighton hadn't they like the amount of Brighton players he wants to buy but just talk us through their team a little bit here and talk us through some of those players that we're potentially going to be looking at from Chelsea now I'm not saying that's who we're going to be starting with from game week one, because from game week three onwards, obviously their fixtures look lovely, but just talk us through it a little bit.
4: Sure, so the graphic we have on screen there is again from SofaScore, thank you for that. It is just the Brighton pre-season match. Uh, this obviously isn't going to be the, the first choice lineup or anything, but it quite clearly shows, You know, we've got a 4 one going, there's another graphic in a second that maybe shows how that might move. And I think the areas of interest are that front three or four and who's gonna play there and how they're gonna play there. And then the fullbacks. I think we can comfortably let everyone else lie. You know, there isn't a Rudiger from past seasons. If Rhys James is fit, is he ever fit? No. He'd be incredible. We'd love that. Although, worth noting that Malagusto has been actually really good in preseason. As much as you want to take preseason performances into account, he's been good. And then Chilwell, which is probably everyone's defender of choice at the moment, mm-hmm. mostly just because I think you're more likely to see minutes or the confidence of continued minutes than you would with Rhys James. Uh, and he's banging exactly how you would expect in a Pochettino fullback enabling system. The interesting part for me then is this next bit. Now, any Chelsea fans, please do excuse my my hastily rushed graphic here. I'm sure you could improve upon it. But what I wanted it to do is just highlight a few points. So we have our you know our back two there in the back four. We can leave them alone. We have Enzo. We can leave him alone. Of course, the numbers aren't, aren't the squad numbers either, of course. They're just the positions. Uh, our number eight, probably leave that alone as well, whether they sign someone, whether it's Gallagher, whatever happens there. So then it's the fullbacks. I think that's easy enough. If James is fit, get him. If you also are confident, he stays fit. If not, Chilwell's there for you. There's less competition for his position. Kukare has been poor still. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of the other players that may compete with that, either might go out on loan or might play as well in the squad. So I think he'll be fine, especially with fewer matches this season, you would hope. Then there's Sterling, who... Now, this may change depending on, you know, how the team's lined up, who's in the team. But one of these players will likely hold a bit more width and push slightly further forward. In this example, that would be Sterling on the right. And then the left, which is Mudrick in this example, of course, those player names could swap, is going to tuck inside a little bit more. And this is the interesting bit. We saw it with Liverpool, where there was that cluster around Trent uh, and the right back and maybe even Salah coming in. uh, McAllister, you often see this in a team where there's like a cluster in a position where they want to overload bodies. Hold the ball, move it around, and then stretch the play elsewhere and create space which those players can move the ball into. And that's where you create your opportunities. I think with Chelsea, what we're going to see is Chilwell bombing on down this left hand side, providing width and overlap, even goal threat. He gets into the box quite a lot, and he's been doing it again in pre season, which shouldn't reflect performance, but does show that the structure's there and it's what they're trying to do. Mudrick tucking in. Don't know if he'll be an FBL option. I know the joke from last year Maybe be all way heavy on us, but he's not too badly priced. If he was nailed, if Sterling was doing nothing, Maybe he's a consideration. Then there's Jackson and Nkunku, and we'll come on to Nkunku a bit in a minute. I've got him here in the, in the 10, but moving left, moving up front, swapping with Jackson. And I think that's what we're going to see. I think the nine will, will be Jackson, which... I didn't think it would be a couple of weeks ago, but he's mm. played preseason. He's looked impressive in preseason. I don't believe we've seen we've seen Nkunku at nine for very long. And if we have, it's been to facilitate other things. So one small negative is that Nkunku is going to be an out of position forward, actually playing in midfield. However, that's kind of what he's always done. Mm-hmm. And I think he still will have some of the best threats in that team. Because as we see there, he's capable of moving left. He may well play on the left as well and assume that role that Mudrik has there. And he will interchange up front and come up front. Uh, and I think that may just segue us on to looking at Nkunku specifically, unless there's anything you wanted it to add.
3: It does. I just wanted to ask Rich before we moved on to the Nkunku specific slides here. Rich, I, I've just asked in the chat, how many Chelsea you think it is starting with? Most people are saying one, but I'm seeing... Chilwell in drafts. I'm seeing Jackson creeping into ja- into drafts now. I'm seeing Kunku in drafts as well. Have you got a preference at the moment out of those three? Who are you kind of looking at or has maybe been in and out of your team so far?
2: I'm only, I mean, a few of them have been in and out of my team. Um, Chil- Chilwell was the one I've got at the moment. My plan is to have him as, as first sub. Yeah. And then he's there and ready for game week two and, you know, start to look, bring Chelsea players in then. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a few question marks over players like Sterling, aren't there? And I also feel like in Kungu and and Jackson, maybe it'd be nice to see a couple of games just to be hundred percent sure which you go for. Because yeah. I know we talked about Wilson and Isak earlier. We seem to mention them every <laughs> single week. Still but an Advantage those of us who didn't have Isak or Wilson had is we could cherry pick which one, which one we wanted on the week we wanted them. Yeah. So the advantage of not going with one is you can pick the one you want. You know, after two weeks, after three weeks, after four weeks, and see that little bit more. I mean, I think if I was going to go for one of the strikers, I'd go in Kunku. Yeah. Um, Because it's rumoured that he might be on penalties. But so, I think,
3: truthfully, I'm... I like looking at
2: the defenders. Chilwell, and said mentioned James as well. Yeah. If he's fit, I'm going to go. I might even go both, Chilwell and James.
3: And I mean, we were looking, weren't we, at the beginning of this season and thinking... Which way is it going to go? Is is it going to be that Pochettino kind of pins them back a little bit or is it going to be that he's going to be using them like they've been used before? And I think no matter who you are, if you go into Chelsea and you see Chilwell and James there and just how effective they are going forward. And even in pre-season, like like Seb's already said, they've looked really good. Chilwell's looked absolutely brilliant, so I can see why everybody's going for them anyway.
2: Sorry, the only only worry is I don't believe they played at the same time or not played considerable minutes at the same time. So there are some murmurings that one side's you know attacking more than the other and stuff. Yeah, but they're both hard to resist and it's hard to pick which one's better. I mean, I think if James is ja- fit,
3: yeah, James it's is always But Chua is not bad. No, and and James just you know he's he's made a popperdoms, is not he? But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if we move on to the Unkunku specific ones now, so uh, Seb, you've got a few kind of heat maps for us. We're just going to talk to us a little bit about Unkunku. About a few people are starting with him because they really like him. Maybe they remember him from UEFA Champions League, um, fantasy football, where he's been an absolute legend in that. Uh, Obviously, he's now playing for Chelsea. What are we kind of expecting from him? And would you start with him is the big question.
4: I'll answer that first question last. If I'm going 4-3-3, or 3-4-3, sorry, yes. uh, Mm. Because it also gives me my route to Darwin, which
3: which I desperately want.
4: I think the reason most aren't is because Haaland's there and then there's Jesus, which does seem a better route in at least at first mm-hmm. i totally understand going in kongu 0.5 cheaper very kind price although so is jesus really uh and it's attractive but i think it's very easy to get there soon as well and it's just the shame he's a forward although if he was a midfielder we'd have even more midfield options uh speaking of his positioning then this is his progression in the bundesliga over the last four seasons positionally so these are seasonal heat maps of course this doesn't provide the context of who's playing with him or when he's done what but it's just a very very helicopter view early on you can see very much starts on the left basically a left winger left winger who plays like a 10 looks to create and actually what we've seen over the past few seasons which is in a minute is him move from providing assists to providing goals which is better for fbl especially if you're a forward because that's where you get your bonus points in 2021 then we're seeing this more number 10 come in so he's mirroring what he did on the left in 1920, on the right as well, maybe getting a few more touches further forward, playing more football as well, actually. And he was playing 10 here. Then 21-22 and 22-23 are quite similar. What we saw here is him basically playing as part of a front two. Now, of course, in all of this, he is swapping around. He does play at 10. He does play on the left sometimes, but mostly playing as like a support striker uh, with Andre Silva, Timo Werner later as well. Never as the main striker, even in a few times when he started... In theory, as the nine with two attacking mids behind, he would drop and drift and someone would come in, often Timo Werner, more recently. And we know Timo Werner's a runner, was brilliant in the Bundesliga before Chelsea, then they broke him and now he's all right. Um, and Kunku has very much been the star. And I think the nice thing about Chelsea, if there is a nice thing about Chelsea, Leeds fan, um, is that he can assume that role again. How often do we see a, maybe Jadon Sancho is not the best example, but a superstar in a team elsewhere come to a new team where they can no longer be the superstar, be that tactically or profile-wise, and maybe therefore fall off, I think Kunkunku can come in and have the same impact, proportionally of course, to the Bundesliga, not saying he'll have the same numbers, as he did at Likes Big. Because he will be able to play that, is he 10, is he left, is he striker, almost doesn't matter. He's the main creator, he will be the creative focal point of that team, and if he chooses to go into the box and try and poach a goal, he can do that. If he chooses to hang outside and try and create stuff, he can do that. And I don't think it actually matters if we see him left 10 or striker, depending on what's around him, because we will see similar output. And I think we saw that at Lightspeak.
3: Yeah. And I love the fact he can play all along the front there because it just means that his minutes are just that little bit more secure, doesn't it? You know, if, if there's an injury or if, if they need something to change around, then he's he'll, he'll fit into whatever peg you want him to be in, won't he? Um but so we got some stats up here as well. Obviously, we won't talk about these for too long, yeah. uh, but you got some stats just to back up some of the things you were saying just then.
4: Sure. So, probably want to pause, go away, look at in more detail. Uh, this is yeah. FBRF for this. So, at the top, we just have they do like a last 365 days last year comparison with other players in the same position. So, forwards, because FBR, that's more relevant for us, but I've also put your attacking mids and wingers in there just so you can see. Lots of green, which is good. We like that. Very, very, uh, very attractive. Obviously, when we come to attacking mids and wingers, his goal threat goes up even further uh, related to those positions. And his assist threat goes down. That shows, as we'll see in a minute, actually, he's become more of a goal scorer and less of a a provider. That would have looked different in previous seasons. But what we're seeing there as well is some very healthy non-penalty XG, some very, very healthy non-penalty goals. So either a good finisher or fortunate. But also some brilliant creativity. That's his main strength, especially versus those forwards. You can see how he isn't just that number nine. He is there to create you know, 94 percentile for shot creating actions is fabulous. There's only 6% of players who are rated higher than him. And then we just have his four seasons uh, at Leipzig there as well, where obviously goals, assists sort of uh, chime with his XG and uh, XAG, which is expected assists there. Uh, I think he's been on penalties at one point as well, so obviously you'll see a slight disparity in those numbers. But what we generally see is that his combined totals have gone up, especially in 21-22. He was absolutely fantastic. Although his underlying numbers nearly as good last season, just a fair few fewer assists to go along with that. I wonder if that's because uh, because someone else joined. Um, but we've seen that shift from mostly assists to mostly goals especially last season and i think that's what we know chelsea didn't buy him was it was it christmas they actually agreed to sign, sign yeah, him I think so, yeah. so they haven't necessarily bought him on the strength of his goal scoring alone they've bought him maybe based on that 21 22 season so just to back up the think i think they're looking for an all-rounder a not a great comparison in terms of profile but in terms of contribution to team a bruno fernandez that's the role he's coming in to do in terms of what he would contribute to the team nice uh yeah
3: I mean, he could make an absolute mockery of that 8 million price tag, couldn't he? Like, I think a lot of people were very surprised when he first came in. I mean, Rich, why aren't people starting with Nkunku? What, you know, everything that we've said already, obviously he's, he's been absolutely brilliant in the, in the Bundesliga. He's joining a Chelsea team that's now got Pochettino in charge. And we know Pochettino kind of gets the best out of some of most of his attacking players. Why isn't Nkunku in 30, 40% of teams at the moment?
2: Yes, it's a few things. There's the opening fixture first of all against against Liverpool. Obviously, mm. that always seems to be nil-nil. Um, yeah. New player to the league. I think that's another reason. Mm. I, I guess you just want to wait a few weeks and see because I don't think people fully trust Chelsea either. I know they've been very impressive in in pre-season, but I guess the key there is that it's it's in pre-season. Yeah. You know, look at Chelsea last season. Um, obviously, we're expecting them to be better. It would hard be hard not to be better. So I think I can understand why people want to want to wait and see.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I think an awful lot of people, and a few people have done it in the chat already as well, are going to be talking about Werner and going to be talking about the fact he came from the Bundesliga to Chelsea and he was in about 40% of teams before game week one, wasn't he? And everybody said, there is no way this can fail. And obviously he didn't do what we expected him to do in the league either. Still a good player, obviously, but we he, we thought he was going to hit the ground running and basically do what Haaland did. Um so it would be yeah, interesting in Kunku. There is
2: that comparison. But I also yeah. think there's so many good strikers this year as well. I mean, I think yeah. back to Werner. I don't feel like there was that many other options. Um, I mean, I've, wrote, I've just wrote down like Jesus, Haaland, Darwin, Watkins, Wilson. Yeah. All players I'm going to be looking at, you know, may, maybe a delay, bit of a delay on Wilson, for example. But they're all players I'd consider higher at the moment, despite how good the stats look. Yeah. If you have penalties, definitely, for example, that yeah. would... Twist Which remains massively. to be seen,
3: right? You seem to have forgotten Solanke, by the way. Solanke, uh, Solanke we, we I always, always gonna write down Solanke. Solanke. But I don't no, want right. to offend It'll the
2: Chelsea, Chelsea fans, you know. Yeah, I
3: was going to say, I, Solanke, please.
4: <laughs> I think like the Bundesliga attacks, you know, it's a bit of a derogatory way of calling it. But it's true in a hopefully non-offensive way, right? You go from a league that maybe is easier for better players to score goals to a league where it isn't. And especially you go from, you know, being the star in a really good team to maybe slightly lesser in a slightly lesser team, although still very good. But that doesn't mean he should necessarily turn into Timo Werner, who, by the way, if I recall, still had very good underlying numbers. So if it was anything, it was his finishing, which is fine. You know, you could just say he was a bad finisher. He lost his confidence or whatever. I will accept that. But then by necessarily you are assuming that Nkunku would do the same thing. And I don't think we see any evidence of that. So even if you wanted to knock these numbers down, you know, 20 percent or something, it's still a healthy return. I think 7.5 is a kind price for that. Forward positioning is slightly unfortunate. And I think the only reason he isn't in more teams is, as Rich mentioned, there are so very many kindly priced options this year that we don't need to take that punt.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Bundesliga tax. I mean, some people didn't go for Haaland for that reason. Although I think Haaland's stats were much better. Yeah. Or a little bit better anyway.
3: And moving to Man City, I guess. And he paid for a
2: slightly better team yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> right lovely stuff Nkunku so the same as we did with Trent then Seb will you be starting with Nkunku
4: if I go 3-4-3 yes but I probably won't so no
3: cool Rich
2: I'd have to start on 3-4-3 and be worried about Darwin Nunes mm. for some reason
3: yeah fair enough I for me I think Watkins is higher than Nkunku to start the season for me but from game week three onwards really? Nkunku's really up in my thing yeah
2: it was funny because um, before, before yesterday, a lot of people that I saw looking at Chelsea strikers were looking at Jackson. So yeah. this could be something that flip-flops as well. Yeah, it could do. That's the other thing. When there's choice of more than one striker for a team, Yeah. that does add weight to just delaying that decision a little bit. Yeah. And which that's which where I really like
3: that Kunku can play kind of everywhere up the top there. Because if he doesn't yeah. play that striker role, he will play somewhere else, won't he?
2: Yeah. Plus, Sterling could be the one. I saw he was top of Mikhail Topper's algorithm Rich. based on having 80 minutes. No. So he could be oh could be couldn't it and you know it's true you know all it takes is like a, a golden assist from sterling and sterling is no now one's 7 talking about Kunku, no one's talking about jackson
3: how is sterling now seven million wasn't he 13 mil at one point that's
2: the thing it's a it's a bargain uh, if, he, if he plays it's a, it's a bargain. bargain if he plays
3: which walks into <laughs> a shop the the meat's been there for two weeks it's now 10p and it's moldy and you're like bargain that's why Yeah, but it. mate
2: it's if you had a really good chef you're gonna cook that up You'd eat it, wouldn't you?
3: <laughs> is that what Potch is? Is it? Do, He's a do, really do you, know good how, chef.
4: do you know how that works? Do you know how chefing works? Right? They kind
2: like, <laughs> I don't know. Can't they just like cure it, like jerky or something? Just, just cook the fuzz
4: yeah. off, chef. Cook yeah, the fuzz off. <laughs> cook the fuzz off. Fire, uh, fire kills bacteria, right? <laughs> do do with cheese.
3: <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Uh, moving on to Brighton now, then. Rich, you've done far too much listening so far. You've had it easy so far. Uh, and now we're going to move on to your table. Now, it's not so your it's table. Not you're table say, yeah, it's not my table. Yeah not your table but talk us through brighton because those fixtures to start with are just absolutely gorgeous those first three fixtures and i think people are crazy for going no brighton and to be honest i think most people need to have at least two brighton players in their team defense seems fairly easy midfield does not seem easy and somehow brighton seem to have this unbelievable scouting network where they just get all the best young players seem to be at brighton and be getting minutes and be playing well in uh, pre-season so Talk us through it. Make some sense out of it for us because we need someone to. <laughs>
2: yeah. So first of all, I wanted to thank Ron Frosk. So it's FPL underscore Ron Frosk on, on Twitter or X as as it's now known. Yeah. He kindly linked me to his spreadsheet where he's basically logging all the preseason minutes um, for, for everything. And I think we should also say we were talking about Brighton a little bit before before we recorded um, or before we went live. Seb picked all the all the interesting teams. Not that Brighton aren't interesting. <laughs> But I think there's just way too much risk around a lot of players. So yeah. I, while I agree with you, Andy, that we probably want to have a couple of Brighton players, like you also said, that you know there's players just appearing, you know, from you know on loan in Belgium, like this Adingra. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name, Adingra. <laughs> <laughs> he was on loan in Belgium. He's a left winger, which Matoma is as well, and obviously has, has scored a brace. So just for for people watching, this is a breakdown of the three friendlies. Um, The Brighton have played so far. Um, what's useful about this is it shows you how many FPL points they'd have got, you know, how many goals, assists, all of that stuff. Obviously, there's not that much data. It's a small yeah. sample and it's pre-season as well. Um, but for those listening, Danny Welbeck scored two. El Pedro, who was becoming popular, scored one. And then Adingra has, has, has scored two. Um, <laughs> so on, on this, it's just interesting. And Pedro took that penalty as well. Hmm. So I think that's why a lot of people started to, you know, at least discuss him for, you know, a a kind price at 5.5. But there was a quote from Ferguson a couple of days ago where he said that he expects all three strikers to be rotated. Yeah. And that instantly makes me think, why do I want to bother with Brighton? Like, I think we can be pretty confident Matoma and March are going to play. But even that, is is it guaranteed? I mean, I remember even under Potter, we never used to touch the Brighton attack. As yeah. managers because there was so much rotation even players like trossard were you know, playing at wing back etc gross gets moved around all over the place so it was only because of all the doubles and trebles and because how good deserve he's been since he took over at brighton that we went big on them last year yeah i'm just thinking just to be safe i'm gonna have a stupid man. i think that seems pretty safe it's worth saying that dunk um hasn't played any minutes in pre-season um, and obviously Colewell, um, he he looks like he's staying at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go Stupinan. I know that's that's bold, <laughs> bold so just and unpredictable. Yeah. Um, no, I'll go for Matoma or March, and I think it's going to be Matoma. Yeah. Just because I think he is the most nailed. but the fact that this guy came along, returned from loan, and you know scored two goals. Yeah not wanting to overreact. It just shows the depth they have. I mean, there's so many players on this list. Many managers wouldn't have even heard of that long ago. I mean, the end of last season, when players like Buonanotte just suddenly appeared and in oh, yeah. Cisco and...
3: And Cisco. <laughs> All of that lot. With yeah. With the song song, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: but do you guys think it's worth the risk? I mean, they're, they're a good team. They're nicely priced, but I don't want to be getting players that are playing 45 minutes when there's so many good options. I,
3: I, I don't see... How Matoma and March are going to be losing that many minutes to start the season? Like I just, I, I was on um, above average last night, and we were saying how we can just, although they've got all these other players kind of in the background, I don't see why their front four isn't going to be Matoma, March, Lalana, and Welbeck. Like I don't got see why Lallana. it isn't going to be those. Yeah, I know, but I don't see why it isn't going to be those because I, I feel like they're going to start the season with. These are our tried and tested guys. Yes, they're going to be getting maybe less minutes because we've got so many young players that are going to come on. But the longer that game goes on and they're not winning, they're going to keep those players on, I think. So, Matoma and March, I don't see as a massive issue. But, Seb, one thing I wanted to ask you, and obviously you can answer Rich's question as well, Matoma is owned by 37% of people. March is owned by 3% of people. Is that right, do you think? Or are people just being a bit crazy there with some little flashes Matoma had last season?
4: like purely based on the numbers that seems wrong because you'd say v- their output is quite likely to be very very close but obviously if you said oh i think like matoma is a 51 percent chance of being the best pick and march is a 49 percent chance of being the best pick you'll pick for 51 and therefore it's 1-0 to matoma so i think that's what everyone is doing and maybe there's a bit of a snowball right you know you see matoma you go with matoma because other people are but because it's a binary decision even if I break it down into what I think is like a probabilistic score, I can't represent that in my FPL decisions. I have to pick one of them. So if everyone's coming to the same conclusion that Matoma is two percent better, it's going to show up at him being thirty percent better when it comes to the picks, right?
3: Yeah, no, I understand that. And it, it for me, I, I was looking at this the other day and I was just thinking, for some reason, and this happens every single preseason, You make a draft nice and early, and then over a couple of weeks, you just start overthinking things. And it just seems to me like Brighton seem to be the team that people are overthinking. People are now going, oh, maybe I'll come off them, or maybe I'll downgrade Trent and I'll upgrade my Brighton midfielder. And all of a sudden, you're seeing less Matomas, less marches in people's teams. But if you look at those first three fixtures, I don't see how you can't go with it. Like I know, Rich, you've just said that you can't go. I can't see... Another kind of midfielder, I know we've you know, got people like Mbumo and you've got um, uh, some other ones there, uh, Eze as well. But I just don't see how you can ignore those first three fixtures. And I don't know, it worries me. It worries me if you're thinking, I need to come off of some of my Brighton now. And it just comes across a little bit like overthinking. Not you in particular, it's just just in general.
2: No, it's a, it's, it's a really good point because I guess with someone like Matoma, a lot of us, because we were forced to keep Brighton players for so long you know mm. at the end of last season we might have many people have owned like matoma for example since christmas or you know just after christmas yeah. so they may well have become a little bit bored of owning matoma yeah. and i, I guess because you just compared him to imbramo uh, oh, almost an mbappe then you just compared him to imbramo <laughs> and say for example <laughs> and I, I guess from an fpl point of view the the one exciting thing about those two players is you know they have penalties yeah. whereas Matoma doesn't and that's why I really liked and a lot of people like McAllister last year because you had the penalties and the attacking threat so it's a bit of a shame you can't get a Brighton midfielder who's nailed and, and has penalties anymore Yeah. but I can see why people are second guessing it and
4: but that's gross because Pedro's penalty Jar Pedro took it when Gross wasn't on the pitch it be gross I mean so then there, you come back to the issue hope? of where
2: will Gross play you know because that could be variable but then does it really matter As in, I guess, how much do we want to analyse it, really? Like, I guess the most important thing is that Gross actually plays or doesn't play. And I wish we knew their minutes. It just feels a lot safer with Matoma and March.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, before we finish this Brighton section then, and I know that I was a little bit shorter, but I mean, we could sit here and talk about Brighton for about two hours. Seb, before we finish here, are you going to have any Brighton to start your season and who's it going to be, do you think?
4: Oh yeah, so when I first looked at it, I thought I'd go steal pretty easy. I'm more confident than most that mm. Steele will start as the number one. I see no reason for him not to. They've signed a goalkeeper who might be number one soon, but not yet. But I think maybe goalkeepers better spend elsewhere. Nian is the one that everyone's going with. Seems seems fair enough. And then yeah, midfielder that Mbumu Mitoma six point five uh, double header seems very very popular. Although those those are the two positions that excite me least when I look at you know that template team. And mm. I feel like that's one of the positions we have the most potential for something new to come along, if you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you look at our teams, I don't think there's anything in there that anyone would have been like, oh, I never would have seen that coming three months ago. It yeah. all looks pretty standard, especially with the prices. And I wonder if a bit like last season where the and mids came along, that's the place where we'll get someone, even if it's like a Bowen again, right? Who isn't brand new. But I wonder if that's the position where we'll see a bit of a bit of spice and maybe I'm just willing it to happen because... I'm kind of bored by those 6.5 mids. Yeah. Which is, which is not very good analysis at all, but it's the
3: truth. <laughs> Honestly, and Rich, you think just a Stupinan?
4: No, so I'm going
2: to have a stupenan and I'm going to have Matoma. I do Ooh. feel a little like Seb said, I do find it a little bit boring. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's silly not to cuz we cuz the reason this segment's short is you just look at it and it's hard to really justify any any players. Yeah. Um. That if they're rotation risks, I don't think they're going to be worth it. Game week one. Yeah. But I think Matoma is the least likely to be rotated. Yeah. 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 So that's why I'd go for him. I do like the goalkeeper shout, but I got stung by Sanchez last year, and that that's why I ended up owning steel. And I mean, and because I'm going to have Matoma in a stupid hand, I don't. I can't have both goalkeepers. Yeah. And it will cost 0.5 more, um, to do that. So, and I mean, I saw a video the other day shared on Twitter with the friendly of the the game that the new keeper played, and he looked very good at his feet. I know Steele got an assist, but they were passing yeah. it around the back. I mean, he was taking some risks with it, but, you know, you can see why they've signed him. The uh, Zerbi's changed keepers many times before, hasn't he? So,
3: just about to say that uh, Steele's XA is probably higher than most goalkeepers in the league. <laughs> but... Um, I I'd imagine so. You mentioned a good point there. Although I was saying about the fixtures there and having two Brighton makes an awful lot of sense for me, and I'm going to be on a stupid animatoma. I, I can't see myself moving off it. I don't think three is wise because after those first three game weeks, their fixtures obviously drop off quite heavily. So unless you are planning to move three Brighton players out of your team or be happy to bench two Brighton, I don't see many teams that are going to be able to do that. So um, I think two is is the perfect amount, especially with the amount of rotation we're expecting from some of these players as well. I
2: do you um, think they are a little bit fixture proof. I mean, if they look as good as they did last season, we'll probably just end up keeping them, keeping yeah. them for a while as well, don't you
4: think?
3: Yeah, maybe. I'm really I...
4: interested to see how they respond to... Because obviously last season they were absolutely fabulous, uh, both just in terms of individual performances and the system that was deployed. I think people, other teams couldn't handle both of those things. Other teams have now had this summer and they've, you know, they all employ top quality analysts who will have been employed to break down teams like Brighton, work out how, when we play them, how can we beat them? Where can we expose them? We've seen that happen with, you know, Liverpool train. We talked about that. Eventually people... Found ways around it, even if it also needed Van Dyke to fall off. I wonder if Brighton, Zerbi will have known that's coming and updated a few things as well, you know, trying to keep ahead of the pack, or if people can identify uh, ways they can get at them, or maybe people can't. Maybe Brighton still are just too good.
1: Yeah.
2: And so I'm... maybe for that reason, if they do become, you know, very, very, or continue to be very, very good, and there's all these cheap players, you know, if someone emerges, maybe it's good to have two because. I mean, we, we, we joked about it the other week that you know, some of these players, are they just making them up? They just appear you know, making the name <laughs> it's up. It's like, like regens,
3: a, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it basically is I was going to say, mate, and You play
2: football manager, you know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so exactly. Maybe some 4.5 regen will co- become essential and you don't want to block that by having a goalkeeper, for example, as your third...
3: Yeah, they'll have Diego Beckham next week or something like that come out. <laughs> <when> they, uh... <laughs> the, the chat mentioned Richardson, yeah. by the
4: way, for that sort of like, you know, what is he, seven million midfielder, wow. that little bit of spice. I want that. That's and what that, I want.
3: And that's my, that was the other thing I was going to say before we moved off this is that. I like the idea. Like a stupid and I feel like I can bench or I feel like I can play in other games because at least he's got that attack inside to him. Whereas someone like Matoma just seems like that perfect price point to move off him to somebody like Richarlison. If it you know, if Kane eventually leaves and Richarlison is playing up top, whether we want to move to an Eze because he started the season well and then their fixtures are nice, whether we want to move to somebody else, and there's so many players in that bracket, and Matoma's that perfect three game weeks in, you can move off him because the fixtures drop. And Bumo... I think if you're going with both, which I most probably am, it's going to be Mbumo that you want to keep because the fixtures are nice for longer, aren't they? So it's interesting in which way you go with it, but I don't think I'd be wanting to bench Matoma or just play him in any fixture because I feel like you can attack those fixtures a bit more with that price point. You, you then, then think... start
2: thinking about price, price changes because if a lot of people are going to have this idea, and obviously plans don't always come to fruition, to sell Matoma after game week three, yeah. does it then hit that game week and it becomes a race to the bottom? Otherwise, you're selling for six points. 6.2 for example
1: yeah,
4: yeah yeah so i think if i remember obviously they update this they tweak it but if i remember the way price changes generally work is to go up in price there is a numerical threshold so say like you need to gain a hundred thousand new owners to go up 0.1 to go down in price however i think it's a percentage of your ownership because if it was a hundred thousand you know like a two percent owned player could never go down or something like that it also may be the other way around, so go check that. But the idea is, is that like they don't want to, if so if someone starts at like 85%, they don't want just you know 100,000 every time someone sells Harland 100,000 people, he could drop like four million compared to like a player who's 8.5 million and you know only owned by 10% of people so i think to go up it's like a numerical threshold to go down it's a percentage threshold so that the two things kind of stay a bit relative to one another Uh, and then also more than one price change in a week requires a higher threshold so it might be like a hundred thousand for the first move and another two hundred thousand for the second move something like that
2: just if everyone had that idea or are you promising that people won't lose value on him
4: no no so i think it's (laughs) no no it's it's so it's definitely still possible But I think the idea that, say, for example, if Haaland, you know, at 85%, just for some reason was no longer a good pick. If he dropped to 65%, you wouldn't see, you know, a 20% ownership loss. You wouldn't see like an absolute decimation of value. Because obviously if a player was like 20% dropped by 20%, they'd go to 0% and their value doesn't go to 0 So they try and keep it a bit sort of rubber banded. But yes, of course, you know, a highly owned player is susceptible. But I guess that's balanced out by the fact that a highly owned player, if they do well, can also hurt you a lot.
3: Nice. Right. Moving on to uh, Arsenal. We're going to make this section a little bit quicker because we want to get on to the drafts and then do our uh, other segments at the end as well. Uh, So we've got a a table here showing some of the non-penalty XGIs for players in the league and XGIs for players in the league. And you'll see that there are five Arsenal players on this table, Seb.
4: Sure. And one called...
3: I don't don't
4: know who that is. Um, Yeah, I've
3: missed the D there, sorry.
4: Uh, So yeah, this is all the other players on this list are interesting to look at, but they're mostly there to serve a comparison to the Arsenal players. Honestly, Arsenal are quite a bit lower than I expected there, but maybe they've shared it around. Also, maybe I've got lots of forwards here, so of course they're going to come out better than midfielders generally. The idea here, though, is to look at Saka. So Saka's XGI is actually quite towards the bottom of this list, and his non-PEN XGI is, I think, the worst. On the list. Now, the caveat, of course, with all of this, I tried to keep it simple, is minutes. Saka gets an absolute ton of them. They don't have another right winger. He's nailed. Unlike a Martinelli, even if you think he's nailed, a Trossard exists. Don't lie to yourself. There is an X mens risk there. Even if you back Martinelli to be the one that starts most of the time, you need to adjust for that. So minutes are important. This is obviously per 90. So, you know, times these by the number of matches, you'll get the real numbers. However, if he were to lose penalties, which is the main thing I was looking at, because his penalty record is fine yeah. it's not spectacular and they do have options for example Jorginho he may not play all the time of course but I don't think he's as nailed on penalties as say like a Harry Kane is or even a Salah even though McAllister's now come in so if we did think he was losing penalties I think you need to become very concerned because 0.42 even with guaranteed minutes is dangerous compared to your other Arsenal options you know Trossard's right there and a bit better Erdegaard Martinelli probably start looking better maybe Ergenard, Erdegaard nah, so i spelled it wrong <laughs> Um, uh, Martin is is maybe the pick with the minutes if Saka did drop off but you know for now Saka probably does have penalties and he needs those I think to be competitive at least based on the numbers from last season and then just to visualise that Andy I've put that into a little graph for you as well you have indeed Um, so you can kind of see obviously that total is you know their their combined uh, XGI and bump in XGI so the numbers look weird but the reason I've done that is so you can see you know the breakdown of each one so ignore the uh, ignore the access on the side and you can see there that Saka if he were to lose them so the blue is the worst there and by quite some margin and even with penalties he really needs them to keep up so I think you're relying on the minutes which is a big thing Uh, availability is one of the best kinds of ability but those are the things to keep an eye on with Saka which I think is the question we wanted to answer here so Trent for Liverpool and Kunku for Chelsea Saka for Arsenal is it Saka is it Martinelli is it somewhere else he's in everyone's team he's in my team but something to keep an eye on.
3: I mean, Rich, you have been one of the biggest Saka fanboys since you came I mean, I remember you having Saka when he was 4.5 million and nobody knew who he was. Oh, he didn't know
2: who he was. No, exactly.
3: Like <laughs> I, I remember that. You and Corf used to go on about him all the time because you, you thought about <laughs> picking him. But I mean, he is so far and above in terms of ownership compared to Martinelli and Odegaard and Havertz, who obviously is in here now as well. Is he so far and away the best pick of the four of them? And is you know if at any point he loses those penalties, it seems like that could be a massive deal for him.
2: I I still think so. I mean, Seb Seb covered partly why, um, and that's obviously minutes. Obviously, the argument is Odegaard's going to get just as good minutes as Saka, but then I think we know where Saka's what Saka's role is going to be. Yeah. Or we think we I think we know what his role is going to be. So for me, I think even if he lost penalties, I'd be happy keeping Saka. Yeah. There's, there's definitely probably some bias there, but it is the minutes. It's the minutes that give him value. Mm. And the fact that he's so young. I mean, I know they've got a lot of young players in the team. I mean, Martinelli's young as well, but you just think he's going to just keep on improving. You know, that, that England game where he scored a hat-trick, again, it was against Minnows, but he was absolutely incredible. Yeah. So I would factor in some form of that he's young and he's going to only get better. Yeah. I'd... That combined with the minutes. And I mean... It's weird because there was a penalty in a friendly, obviously that he missed. It's very rare. There's even penalties in in friendlies.
1: Yeah,
2: I'd hope that's not going to get them removed from him. I mean, I'm going to make an assumption of no. Mm. It's not exactly a high risk. It's not cost the team anything.
3: Yeah. And I love looking at those three, like Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka. I love looking at the three and thinking the weaknesses of the other two is what makes Saka so good as an FPL asset. So Martinelli, it's minutes. Well, Saka's bigger strength is minutes. Odegaard, it's that he's not on penalties and maybe doesn't get into those shooting positions. Saka's on penalties and gets into those shooting positions. So every way I look at it, it's like, well, Saka just appears to be the better option. But Odegaard had an incredible season last year, Seb. Like, he genuinely had... A season that everybody kept saying all year, he's not going to keep this up, and he did keep it up. Is this going to be one of those things where a lot of people that maybe log on to FPL for five minutes before deadline go, Odegaard had a great season, put him straight in, and he just carries on doing it? Or are you putting your analytics head on? Is it going? What he did last season makes no difference to what he's going to do this season. Is it going to? Ca- Is not going to carry on.
4: I mean, I think analytics head quite likes Hedegaard because minutes, yeah, no penalties. But, <laughs> well, you mentioned he's not going to get into shooting positions. If I remember, he had the highest non-penalty goal tally of any midfielder, and he really is a midfielder, he's not a midfielder like Salah is. is it ever in the Premier League? It definitely was last season. I think it was like he beat JR, he beat Lampard, who had penalties, without penalties. Uh, so, you know, non-penalty goals. Which is massively impressive and then if you go okay but was that just a couple of ridiculous either skillful or lucky finishes from range i think his non-pen xg was up there as well i mean we can see from these numbers here right he is competing Mm. Uh, and again to reiterate ignore the ignore the uh, the y-axis there it's just for illustration but i think it gives a nice proportional thing um it shows you the separation so i think odegaard could be a a very tasty pick the one last thing on saka is of course when we're looking at these numbers they are backwards looking and they are static I guess if you think Saka has hit his ceiling and Arsenal have hit their ceiling, therefore I can project these numbers forward forever and if he loses penalties he's dead to me. <laughs> I think Saka has the most potential to keep improving. So if you think Saka steps up this season, you could actually look at this this chart in a really positive way. You could go, "Oh well, look, you know, he's not even at his best yet. He's young, he's played all these minutes and he's already competing with all these established players like Bruno and and Kane, who by the way comes out really badly from this for for his price." If Saka were to step up just even a little bit, is he then suddenly your, your KDB, your Salah, in terms of where he would be in this in this graphic? So that is the other side of it.
3: Yeah, and I suppose it, I, I love the fact that we're not even looking at prices here. We're just looking at output. And obviously Saka and Odegaard are the same price and Martinelli's 0.5 less. I personally think there would have been an argument for making Saka 9 and then really making that kind of that that argument of do I go Martinelli for one million cheaper than Saka or Odegaard who had an incredible season is a 0.5 lesser but not on pens or do I go with Saka who's on pens and has that potential to go a bit higher I think making him nine would have been really interesting this season but I think at 8.5 that's maybe why we're seeing Saka in pretty much everybody's Um, right should we have a look at some drafts oh come on then um, my window's right here. I got a draft right here. Whee. Uh Right there. <laughs> le- <laughs> Sorry, dad joke already. Um, so this is actually my team. So this is my three five two at the moment. This is the one that I sent into the group. Rich went, oh god, that's pretty much my team. And Seb went, oh god, that's pretty much my team. So this is the three five two hive mind without knowing we were hive minding it. Uh Onana in goal, Stones, Estupinan, Gabriel at the back, Matoma and Bumo, Saka, Rashford, Bruno Fernandes in the middle, Haaland captain and Jesus up top with Ariola, Chilwell, Baldock and Archer on the bench. Now, a lot of this for me hasn't changed from the first time I did my draft. So Bruno, Rashford, Saka and Bumo, Gabriel all in my team harlan been in my team the whole time the only ones that have changed i started with watkins and they went to jesus i think jesus is just with those first three fixtures and with his price point i think it's perfect to start with um and boomer and matoma i i i'm gonna start with i think unless kane definitely leaves and i can go to richarlison because this has got 0.5 in the bank as well i think i'm gonna start with those two i think it's really hard not to Chilwell on the bench uh using fpl team it was lovely looking at Chillwell rotation after game week two just how many times I'd use them. And Gabriel and a stupid and I can bench if I want to. Uh, I don't see an awful lot wrong with this team. I think uh, this team is very, very template, but not because I was looking at it and thinking, I want a template team. I want to stay in the peloton. Uh, it was... It just kind of picks itself. The best players from the best teams have the best fixtures to start with and they're reasonably priced, so it's really hard not to go with them. Bruno Fernandes is 8.5. I don't think I'd have him if he wasn't 8.5. You know, there's there's a lot of players like that. Saka's 8.5. It's really hard to not go with these players. So, Rich, I know, like I said, when I set it through, you went, oh God, it's basically my team. It, so much of it picks itself, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's literally a couple of differences. Um, I've got Foden... Instead of Embramo. and instead of Banana, I've got Pickford. I've but done that, the same as you. I've got Chilwell first sub, which okay. I really like. That could be James, although yeah. I think he was only on the bench in the friendly the other day. Instead of Bulldog, I've got Bayer, so that's yeah. quite exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then um, my, I've got a different four point five striker as well, thanks to Bricky.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. And that's I it. can't even
2: remember his name. Woodman is it Woodman? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone go for him.
3: Yeah. See, it's, it's it's really tough, isn't it? Because <laughs> a lot of people, you put them on the screen, and everybody goes, "Yeah, that's pretty much my team." Yeah. It's interesting that that three-four-three three has started coming in now. Like people are starting to look at changing one of their midfielders and putting someone like a Darwin or a Nkunku up top. I mean, Seb, you're you know, this template debate is going on an awful lot at the moment. I'm one of these people that if people say to me, "Oh, that's template." I'm not going to change my thinking just because people think it's template. I made this team thinking they were going to get me the most points in the first couple of weeks, regardless of what their ownership was. Surely that's all we should be worried about to start with.
4: Yeah, I mean, we, we started with that, that, that apparently very popular Peloton analogy. I wouldn't worry about that, I think. Especially early on. There's probably, if anything, there's an argument for leaning towards the template rather than away from it. Yeah. Because the most the most damage I guess you can do is that start you're not going to get it, it psychologically it's very interesting it, we almost feel like in game week two oh, I can just build a new team now nah, one 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 transfer a week starts in starts game week one to game week two so you're kind of stuck with what you've got so I think it makes sense to go with something as long as it's sensible to go with something popular it's popular for a reason mm-hmm. you know people aren't just going with template because because it was spoken about on ScoutCast or on YouTube somewhere you know it's come from somewhere I think, I guess, the only thing you can do then is maybe try and set up with this, but with a little bit of spice thrown in. So I know some people have Foden, for example, which seems, seems a reasonable shout. Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: I I will say now as well, those people telling you, oh, this is template, you should change it. As soon as you change it and the template smashes it, they will be laughing so hard at you as I, well.
4: And you know what's interesting as well? I think with pricing, you know, that's been a discussion the last couple of years. It seems kinder, if that's the right word. A lot mm. of people are very, a lot of players are very, very affordable. And I think initially, your Haaland, your shallow, your maybe Kane and Trent were quite highly priced and competitively priced if it weren't for everyone else being so cheap. And you'd think that might give us more options because so many midfielders are accessible and yet we all have the same midfield. And I think that shows that it's not about pricing players high or pricing players low. It's about pricing them correctly relative to one another. So you mentioned Saka, Edgard, Martinelli. there. If you make Saka nine, Erdegaard's 8.5, Martinelli's 8 or anything, there is a decision to be made. Whereas at the moment, we're all just going, yeah, Saka. Because even if Saka's a bad option, oh, I can move to one of the other two. But it's an easy decision. So even if he's kindly priced, he isn't well priced I think if that's fair to say in terms of providing decisions and diversification because because we aren't seeing that
3: and I will say now as well uh, there, there will be a lot of FPL managers out there that have only started playing in the last two three four years we haven't had a normal season for for four years now like we have d- had different things happening we've had double game weeks we've had more wild cards we've had more chances to reset and go back to the template each time that won't be happening now like Seb just said it's going to be mm. one transfer a week and all those kind of swings and differences will be happening because people make one poor decision, they make two poor decisions, whatever it is, and all of a sudden those teams are very, very different. Whereas before, you had extra wild cards you could use, you know, you add more of those double game weeks, so those templates were so strong. Whereas going into this season, I'm just hoping it's a normal season and it's going to be very, very different. And one thing I know, Rich, I wanted to talk to you about really quickly before we go on to the 3-4-3 three, three, is a lot of people, when I said, right, I'm going to downgrade uh, Trent, where can I use the money? So many people said, upgrade all your bench players. Because we've gone through seasons where games are postponed, where, you know, you could be getting three of your bench players off the bench. But before, back in like, you know, 2019, whenever it was, you would maybe have one good bench player. And the rest were like, you know, we'd have Lundstrom, Arawan Wambasaka, all these 4 million players because you don't want your bench players to be good, do you? Mm.
2: And to be honest, you said there's not been a normal season for a while, but something huge that we've kind of just got used to is yeah. obviously we've got this blank game week in game week two. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's only Luton. Um, yeah, no, no offense to Luton, <laughs> but Luton Burnley, but I think it has huge impact. Yeah, yeah. Because I, th- I think you've got Bulldog, for example, mm-hmm. and the only reason you're you probably got Bulldog is because Luton and Burnley blank. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole reason that having a strong first sub makes sense. Because you've also got City in the in the Super Cup, so with two City players, you could easily have one or both of them, yeah. you know, benched in game week two, mm-hmm. or just something happens to them in in that final. So I think it's not completely a normal season, and I think it's eliminated players like Brownhill, Carter, Colton, yeah. Morris. We yeah. can't look at those, and I think they would have been not template breakers, but I think they would have been a lot more popular.
3: Yeah, but we are kind team. of being
2: funneled down because of that blank, and it seems like such a silly blank to to cause that yeah. but that's where we've got the 4.0 defenders
3: yeah no it's, it's interesting I mean we're just having a look at the 3-4-3 now as well so the 3-4-3 this is like I said this is starting to seep into a lot of teams that I'm seeing as well this has got Johnson in goal it does have Trent it's got Chilwell starting and it's got Gabriel uh, Saka Bruno Fernandes Foden and Matoma in the middle and then with Harlan Jesus and Nkunku up front Ariola, Bulldock, Anderson, uh, Elliot Anderson for Newcastle and Bayer on the bench there. Now, one thing I do want people to do as well when they're looking at this, don't just think you like it because it's different. You know, that a lot of people are doing that. They're seeing the very, very similar drafts everywhere and then they see something different and go, oh, I like this more. But they're only doing it really because it's different. But this does look okay. Obviously, they've got two Chelsea to start with, which is interesting. They've got Trent there, but it is a lot easier to move down from Trent than it is to move up to Trent um Seb we haven't heard from you for for a little bit now talk us through the 343 what do you think do you like it
4: yeah, We can't be having that can we um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I, I put this one together tried to throw a few little differences in there as well so for example you don't have to have Trent in a 343 but yeah. I thought might as well try and show a Trent team as well I uh, didn't bother with a team, although those are valid too but you, you can't have Trent or maybe even Haaland if you do that for me, the the strength then here is obviously getting your third forward. There's a lot of conversation about there's so many good midfielders. I need five midfielders so that I can get to any of them. But I think that's th- there's, there's, there's validity in that. But I think the real question is not there are 15 good midfielders, therefore I must have five. And there are only six good forwards, therefore I can have two. But I think it's which one's better, the third forward or the fifth midfielder or fourth midfielder. It doesn't matter beyond that because you can't pick them. And if you want to jump to them, you can swap others or you can change a structure. Yeah, it's one more transfer. So the advantage I think this brings is, is if you do think someone like Nkunku is going to have a massive season, or Darwin, if Darwin you think is nailed. If we think Darwin is nailed, I'm there. I'm so there. That is when I go three <laughs> for three. And I think that's when you I, I think that's there. when you get an advantage over the midfield. You look at the type of players you can have as well, right? Our our fifth, our fourth midfielders are Mbumu and Matoma, who are good. But if I get to have a Liverpool or a Chelsea forward yeah it's a better team i think it would potentially a better team at least traditionally so i think i may have access to to higher points but maybe also a lower floor so that's the real reason for me um and the other other player i'd love to call out here is johnston i think he's being overlooked we're all very excited about nana who i think is gonna i think he's good i think i'll probably pick him but i think he's not going to be as good as people think and johnston crystal Palace had the fourth best xg (laughs) you what you what (laughs) Man, De Gea got a huge points total last year. Got seventeen clean sheets, and Man United were like upper mid table for XGA games. Like, we've just signed. There's there's a lot for Anana to do there, man. He's well he's well priced, and I think I'll pick him.
3: Now, but speaking of regens, we've just signed well, Buffon's regen.
4: Fair enough, buddy. Buffon famously good with his feet, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, and his hair. But yeah, so so Johnston, you know, we like value in our goalkeepers. The team with the fourth best uh, XGA expected goals against last season so better than man united better than top of my head it might have been better than arsenal actually i think it was it city city newcastle or arsenal palace i think was mm. the order so yeah 4.5 for that if you think it's going to be similar this season and he may well get saves because a poorer team so not that the numbers say that but you know i think maybe a nice balance there so if i needed to save some money in goal i'd, I'd go there i think
3: yeah lovely um right shall we go on to our newest segment so this is going to be a weekly segment this this week it's going to be slightly different because we're going to be talking about season totals but this is going to be a new weekly segment where we're going to be talking about the next three weeks of points so this is our over and under section so we're going to be talking about different players popular players that are going to be talking about a lot in the community and we are going to be saying right seven rich here's a player for you I'm going to give you a point total that I think they're going to get over the season. Do you think they're going to get over this total or under this total? Does that make sense, boys? I hope it does. I've explained it to you both already. (laughs) I'm explaining it to everybody else. (laughs) Lovely stuff. So let's have a look then at who we are going to be talking about first. So the first one is going to be Trent. So Trent Alexander-Arnold. I have put here that I think he's going to get 170 points this year. Last year, he got 156 seb if i start with you are you going to go with over or under 170 points for this season
4: is, is that your guess or is this just a total for us to go over and under because you said you think he's gonna get 170 so is that uh, is that your guess as i am well?
3: g- this is as for for the, for the good of the game i am saying okay. i'm thinking he's going to get 170
4: uh, I, I think you've done this really well by the way i've if you've seen me looking left that's because i uh <laughs> been desperately trying to do this so over he's going to get over 170
3: over 170 lovely yep. what about you rich
2: I've gone over as well. I just want to say, Andy, you've done these lines so perfectly, you could maybe be a future bookmaker or something.
3: (laughs) God, no. No, no, no. (laughs) So you both think over. Is that because you think his last year total of 156 was low for him because of the clean sheets? Or do you feel like Liverpool are going to get more clean sheets this year? Why why over?
4: I originally put under, and I started the show by saying midfield or inverting that's worse for fbl if i've just said he's getting over 170 points why aren't i picking him maybe the price i'll tell you why i changed it from i did say under and i've gone over looking at his pass totals do i still think he can get eight ten assists from midfield he's gonna get the clean sheets obviously no matter what so do i think that we'll get enough do i think he gets the assist do i think when he does that he gets the bonus He's got 200 and he's got 185-odd in the past. I think he can scrape 170, despite me not thinking he's attractive as he's been in the past.
3: Nice, Okay. Right, next one then is Mo Salah. So Mo Salah last year got 239 points. Bad season for him, apparently. 239 points. I think this season he's going to get 260 points. So, Rich, do you think you're going to go with under or over for Salah with 260? Remembering Salah has got over 300 before.
2: I think he's going to do very well. I think he's only got over 300 once. I, I've got under.
3: You've got under? Just, under 260? Yes, I think
2: you've got it pretty spot on. I think it's harder for him to go over than under. And under yeah. could still be a very good season.
3: What about you, Sev?
4: I've got under two, man. He's only gone over 260 twice. 265 and 303. <laughs> he got 259. <laughs> he got 259 in the past, which is basically you know close enough. But he's doing that with 22 goals, 12 assists. 32 goals, 12 assists. Last year he got nineteen goals, thirteen assists, some bonus. He's not great at bonus, we know that. Two three nine. I think I think under and yet still very good. Last year was a good season for him.
3: I like it. I like it. Right. Uh Haaland is up next. So Haaland got two hundred and seventy two points last year. I'm predicting him to pretty much do the same and get two hundred and seventy. Are we going under or over, Seb?
4: Yeah, I'd you'd say about the same, wouldn't you? I've gone over, assuming he doesn't get injured. Uh, he had a little drop off, didn't he? Didn't 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 score was it like one in five or something. Yeah. If that doesn't happen next year, which there's every chance it doesn't, I think he just smashes it again.
3: Yeah, Rich,
4: I've gone
2: under, and my Ooh. reasoning was I think you know he could miss miss some time at some point. I'm not saying yeah. he's going to get injured. Actually, that's pretty much what I'm saying. <laughs> that's,
4: that's 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 a good chat, actually, man. It no,
1: is.
3: I,
4: I, will stick, I will stick with over. But actually, yeah, he got a huge amount of minutes last year, which we didn't expect.
3: Lots of people in the chat are saying over. Lots of people think he's going to get towards 300 this year. Could do. Never know. Man City have changed a lot, though. Uh, right. Watkins up next. Ollie Watkins. Obviously, a lot of people aren't starting with him whether we should be or not. We haven't discussed it. Maybe that's something for next week. Uh, last year, he got 175 points. I'm expecting him to get 165 this year. Rich, do you going to go over or under?
2: I've gone over. I think he'll have the, the full season. I don't even think penalties matters that much. Yeah, I think he's going to go over.
4: Yeah. Seb? Under. Over-performed
2: XG.
3: Oh, I love this. I love this. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to go over, actually. I, I think I'm... Um, a Villa are my Dark Horse team this year. I think they're going to do really well. Mm, uh, Saka next. Saka managed 202 points last year, which is not bad. I'm expecting him to improve this year and get 220. So, Seb, are you going to go under or over 220 points? Under. Under? Rich?
2: Easiest over ever. Oh! Over
3: 220. <laughs> love it. Is that because of your love for Saka or...?
2: It's not love. It's just an honest honest prediction. I said I think it's he's going to improve. I, I can see one day he'll be like a 11-12 million midfielder.
3: Oh, love it. Uh, not
2: not this season, obviously. No. <laughs> That'd be some price rise.
3: <laughs> Interesting one, this one. Uh, Foden's next. Foden only managed 142 points last year. I'm predicting him to play a little bit more. Not a lot. A little bit more and get 150 points. So, Rich, are you are going to go over or under 150 points for Foden?
2: Foden. I think over. I think he's going to get more minutes.
3: Yeah. This will be the season, will it?
2: Yes, this will finally be. I've actually moved house three times since <laughs> since I first owned him. But Love yes. that.
4: Yeah. Seb? Uh, I think over, but it's tough because it really relies on those minutes, right? He's never got over, or if he has, it's only just been marginal. Yeah. So at what point do we just accept that he's actually just a rotationally impact player? Hopefully not for his development as much as anything. So over.
3: Nice. Uh, Next one then. Onana is next. Uh, Obviously, we don't have points for him for last year, but we do have David De Gea's 161 points from last season. I'm predicting Onana to only get 150. So, Seb, would you like to go over or under on Onana's 150 points this year? Under. Under?
4: Yeah, Man United's defence isn't any better. And De Gea, in terms of like, you know, expected points versus points, had a phenomenal season. I don't think Anana is going to earn enough bonus to make up for the fact that Man United's defence isn't better.
3: You disgust me. Isn't any better? <laughs> how many? How many? How many clean sheets do we get last year?
4: Yeah, seventeen, which was a massive overperformance on your numbers. Rich, See, this is
2: this is what I like, Seb. Uh, I've got <laughs> under as well, and I had this thing. I said that Man United were lucky to get as many clean sheets as they were, just like Seb has, and I got many arguments back saying, "Oh, we'd look at just the home stats." Again, nowhere near the top. Man City were miles clear. Then it was like, oh, but in this many games they kept under one XG, but there was several where it's like 0.99 XG, you know. So yeah, I'm going under. I mean, maybe here make more saves than De Gea, but I doubt it. The bonus potential looks good, but you have to keep the clean sheet to get the bonus. And your attack looks looks potentially good as well, which could steal you know bonus and, away from
4: and saves right. Like you know, if you actually do think your defence is going to get better, is that not fewer saves for him to make? Yeah, then you've just got Edison,
3: Buffon Junior. Yeah, so yeah, Buffon Jr. <laughs> is good initials there as well. You've uh, got anyway. Edison, not
2: point five saving on Edison. Brilliant.
3: Unkunku uh, is up next. Obviously, we don't have his uh, his points from last year, but I've gone with Wilsons, Callum Wilson, who got 157 points. Uh, so do we think Unkunku is going to get more or less than 160 points? You know, I'm really starting
4: uh, to wish I'd paid more attention to this and try to crunch some numbers.
3: Yeah, go on in, Seb, what do you think? 160 for Nkunku.
4: A purely vibey over by probably quite a lot.
3: Yeah. Rich?
4: I've gone under. But obviously a lot of because it's over the season,
2: there's a lot of things that can happen. So I feel like actually going under is a much safer bet because
4: Yeah, there's probably one some injury game there's won. probably some game theory here where <laughs> true, you just yeah. say under with but, all of them. Yeah. because if they're what Andy expects, all you need is one injury and you've probably won one by a landslide. <laughs> it's very, it's very true. Yeah. He, I will like say, I say though, I wish I'd paid more attention to this.
3: And Kunku is the one that I feel like, and we've mentioned it already. He's the one player I'm thinking could make a mockery of his price. I, I, the, I think
4: 160 is low. I'm very yeah. happy to go over.
3: Yeah, um, Rashford next got two hundred and five points last season. I'm predicting him to get slightly less at two hundred. Rich, do you think he's going to be under or over two hundred points this year? I've gone,
2: I've gone for under on this, but it, it felt, it felt close. I don't think anything would shock me with him. As in, I don't think I'd be shocked if he missed large chunks of the season, and I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if he scored twenty goals.
3: I mean, he must have only had about 40 points before Christmas. <laughs> he seemed That's to do the it all thing, after, actually, if you
2: extrapolate that. Yeah. But what yeah, you, I've gone Seb? under, oh, sorry.
3: but again,
4: yeah. it's mainly injury concerns.
3: Yeah. What about you, Seb?
4: Under, but like, you know, I don't think that means... It's interesting, isn't it? Because the way we're framing this is like, if you say under, you think bad. It's like, you could get 180 points, which is great, probably even for his price. Yeah, yeah. I think just under, last year was his best season, both on the pitch and FPL terms, I think give or take, that's his peak. So I will edge under.
3: Yeah. Uh, Son is next. Uh, He only got 152 points last year. Considering how many points he got the year before, only got 152. So I'm going to stick around there. Do we think he gets above or below 150 points? So basically I'm asking you, is Son going to return next season? Rich, what do you think?
2: Actually, to be fair, I said that Saka was easy. This was easy over for me. Yeah.
3: Yeah? Yeah you think he would be back? Seb. Seb?
2: Seb doesn't find it so easy. So All leaders oh. are
4: relegated again.
2: One of the two.
4: <laughs> I will stick with what I've written on my piece of paper. I think Rich is right. Son has only got under 150 once after his first season, right? So basically, he's nailed on for 150 plus. But he's also never played without Kane. And I think all his big, big totals have come in that Kane-Son tandem front two thing. I I don't think it works from this season. I'm going under and I think I'm wrong and I
3: think I'm stupid but I wrote
4: under so I'll go under.
3: I think I'm wrong and I think I'm stupid.
4: Because he used to be, I
2: always used to think of Son as like this huge creator as in I felt like he used to create a lot before he had that massive you know golden boot season.
3: So... Uh... I'm not, I've, I've yeah. got two more I've got two more I just want to get through so we can do a Q&A as well because we've already <laughs> we're already over an hour and a half it's over
4: isn't it it's so much over I know I've work
3: over 600 people in the chat by the way thank you so much make sure you're liking the stream for us um, Jesus he only managed 125 points last season I'm expecting him to hopefully a bit, be a little bit healthier this year and get 160 points Seb, what do you think? 160 over or under?
4: See, again, this is another way. I wish I'd done more prep. So 125 is an easy over because he probably doesn't miss a bunch of the season injured. But you've obviously gone. You've accounted for that for 160. So I wrote over and I'll stick with it because I think if he's there nine all season, he, he really pushes that up. But maybe I've been stupid again.
3: Yeah. Rich?
2: What I found interesting about that is you said he got 120 points. Loads of that was in one game um, <laughs> yeah, but, um was, yeah. Yeah, I, I've gone over as well. I've gone over as well.
3: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've got some big things. Last one, which I think is going to be a big one as well. Darwin Nunes. He only managed 100 points last year. I have put him, at, I think, a rather generous 150 points this year. Rich, over or under 150 points for Darwin Nunes.
2: I've been reading a lot of stuff about him recently. Liverpool fans and it looks like that number nine positions might be his to lose so I think it's oh, I easy over
3: Seb is like no I don't want to pick him I'm gonna pick him I
2: know you, uh, we already know gonna he just him. doesn't know yet
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly um, Seb you're going over then
4: aren't you <laughs> yeah <laughs> can I have a double it option um, like in, in 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 all in all seriousness yeah, yeah over, over. like
3: if he, if, he, if he gets
4: that if he gets that position um he can underperform his xg for all he cares he did last year and his points per match or whatever were still decent if he plays yeah over comfy you look at i mean this was a bit of my logic for jay as well you look at like what someone like kane aguero whatever i've got in the past i'm not saying he's going to go get kane points but kane very clearly gets past 150 very very easily so Darwin, easy 160 170 180
3: fine yeah not 300 then uh <laughs> Can't wait! love Buno it so much you know him.
4: you know you know what'll happen it'll be like bamford again or something where like he will get 300 points and for whatever reason i'll be like no no i must resist this temptation it's, <laughs> it's an emotional epic and everyone gets on their point
2: yeah and me I, and Richard. I,
3: I even though i win i lose <laughs>
2: yeah with captain in um, game week two against bournemouth
3: if you if you liked uh the over and under section let us know like I so said, i want to try and make that a bit of a weekly uh, uh segment that we're going to do at the end of each stream so let us know if you like it um now before we move on to the Q&A uh, which will be fairly shorter than I thought it was going to be. Uh I just need to tell you about the community team. We are going to do the community team next season. Uh the big thing though is that Seven Rich took so much time doing the community team last year that it actually was to the detriment of their own team at times. So what we have done this year, I have asked somebody who has been a avid Scoutcast listener for years uh in rank chaser, FPL rank chaser. So if he's in the chat Hello, Rank Chaser. He is going to take on the community team. He is going to make a group chat for any ScoutCast uh, watchers that love ScoutCast and watch it every week. And you are going to be doing polls and setting up the team and basically going against me, Seb and Rich. And if any of us lose to you, there will be a forfeit. We will know what the forfeits are by next week, but we will see whether basically you can beat us. So whether the ScoutCast viewers hive mind can beat us next season. It did really well last year, but obviously that was us also kind of scaffolding it In we want to see whether just you can beat us. Rank Chaser is in the chat. Hello, mate. We're going to set up the thing, um, the group chat for everybody tomorrow. So, be prepared. If you fancy it, we'll put out a bit of a thing uh, tomorrow and you can make sure you like it and you can be involved in the group chat. Rank Chaser is, you know, he's brilliant. He knows his stuff with FPL. He has good finishes as well, so he knows what he's talking about. So, um, uh, he's going to take it on for us this year. Um, yeah, if it wins FPL, you can all host this next year uh, right let's uh, go for a bit of a <laughs> go for a bit of a Q&A then so chuck your questions into the chat um, and yeah we'll answer as many as we can as quickly as we can uh, like I said we had I think we peaked at about 750 people in the chat today which is lovely for two weeks before the season starts uh, I'm hoping we get to about a thousand people um, well by next Monday really isn't it because that'll be our first stream before the season starts Um so, uh, yeah, chuck us in your questions. Anything you like. Try and make it uh, as specific as possible uh, and we'll try and answer them as quickly as possible. Um, nothing's coming at the moment, lads. This is a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Oh, here we go. Uh, Thomas Nilsson says, uh, could Cancelo be out of the position comeback kid as a replacement for Mares?" Rich, what do you think?
2: I hope not. Because I was kind of... I, I think then we'd all get him if that was the case and... Foden, what happens there? Like, I know Foden can play different positions. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I think that's one for Luke Disable, isn't it? Like, yeah. if it happens, everyone will go there.
3: Yeah,
2: I've not seen anything yeah. to suggest that.
3: No, last thing I heard was that um, with Dembélé going to PSG, Barcelona mm-hmm. were basically Cancelo's like their their top target. Um, okay. So, well, because yeah, Dembe- it, well, because Dembélé. Because Dembélé funds. Yeah. And oh right! I thought
4: you meant as a replacement. I was like, nah, do no, they no. know who they those need players the players are. So
3: then they're they're going to push <laughs> on to try and get. Him. Yeah, that makes they more sense. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, um, lovely. Um, Seb from Tony D says, Salah or Trent? <laughs> um, Darwin. <laughs> Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> Darwin.
4: Yeah. Uh, Salah. You know, I reckon when review comes out, I reckon Salah's in it, and I bet everyone rips up their teams.
3: Yeah, uh, Josh says, would you consider Bowen as a budget option? Rich,
2: no, no. Are we still doing short answers? I yeah, genuinely, no, right. I hadn't really considered him. He's not on penalties anymore, so yeah, that hurts. for that reason, no.
3: Yeah, uh, Seb Greg asks, would you double up on any defences?
4: Uh, Chelsea, if James and Chilwell are both good. Uh, City no, probably just because minutes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's always the Man United option if you go for the goalkeeper. but Sure, yeah. maybe not worth it with that, but you could. What else? Arsenal, Newcastle maybe. Newcastle.
3: Botman and Trippier and was a
4: very good. Actually, yeah, Botman and mm-hmm. if Trippier becomes, he feels overpriced, doesn't he? But because yeah. Botman's an easy in, yeah. yeah. And then there's probably the classic, like you do it accidentally with a cheap team. if You know what I mean? Like you know, yeah, you're, you're Burnley or something, Crystal yeah. Palace
3: nice <laughs> burnley. yeah i double up on burnley well uh, you know everyone's
4: got a load of people got a 4.0 right so all it takes is the goalkeeper to be value and you've doubled up
3: yeah i like it uh animations says uh is colwell worth it for 4.5 million rich
4: i have
2: considered it the only downside i could see to it because obviously i think it would be kind of like your fourth fifth defender probably mm. fourth is you'll then be blocking a chelsea spot when you go into those really really good fixtures yeah um so I probably wouldn't. I mean, maybe if you're happy going without Chilwell with James, to mm-hmm. can make it work. And there's loads of good 4.5s.
3: Yeah. He reminds me an awful lot of Joe Gomez all those years ago for Liverpool when people were like, oh, he's 4.5 million, why don't we get Joe Gomez? And then they didn't get Robertson, Trent, Mane, Salah. Like, People regretted going for him when they did because the upside just isn't there, is it? But so, and like right. you said, there's so many other 4.5s you can. Pick. I think that's
2: the thing. I think in seasons gone, a 4.5 defender playing for Chelsea would be a no-brainer, but yeah. it doesn't yeah. really stand out this
3: year. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Betts says, uh, "Don't recall you mentioning Harvey Barnes. Do you think he's a good choice when the fixtures turn, Seb?"
4: So I don't really rate Harvey Barnes, and yet to be fair, if you look at the, if you look at the numbers, I was going to say numbers are good, decent enough, yeah, but. I feel like I mean he always used to do well against Leeds, so maybe I just don't like him. But he I did. Just, I captained nev- him once against you. Oh, fair play. Yeah. Um, yeah. His his num I don't think his numbers are good enough to make up for whatever it is that I, I just think he's a little bit short. Hmm. Um, yeah. So no, I'm not really that interested.
3: A bit mean. Uh, what
2: a put I, down you just did to set but you captained Harvey Barnes against
4: his team. I did. Yeah. He scored. It's like well. the ultimate insult. Uh,
3: I think. I think Leicester. Fair I, I think they lost. I think Leeds beat Leicester, but, um, yeah, Harvey Barnes scored. I, uh, um,
4: in, in, the se- in the season we got promoted, one of the few things I did right that year was I sold Salah to Son, Captain Son, when Son played us. Because it was just, you know, the whole season, it was just like, yeah, Leeds great, but if there's, like, one individually really good player who can carry ball, they destroy Bielsa's hmm. man-marking. Yeah. And, yeah, that was Son. So, yeah. There
3: you go. Um... Alan Abdullah says, what position will Foden play in the absence of Gundo and Mares?" Rich.
2: Yesterday, didn't he play in the Gundo role for a bit, but he only played half the game. I thought he played right, but then kept coming inside.
3: Because Bernardo, Bernardo played played in the middle. Oh, I thought Bernardo played on the right. Okay.
4: Oh, if it was the other way around, that's my mistake. I know they both played and Peppers talked up Bernardo as in like wanting to keep him giving a bit more money because with Gundo gone, he'll play a more central role as in, you know, importance not literal. Yeah. So I thought it was Bernardo in like that mid middle role and Foden right, but I might be wrong.
2: Yeah. The write up I I read said he played in Gundo role.
4: Oh, fine. I'll, but yeah, I didn't. Me, I didn't watch
2: that, it, um... and it can be quite fluid with Pep as well. Um... But I could I could be very wrong.
4: <laughs> and I've seen
2: people people have very strong opinions on where they want him to play. Yeah. For me, I just want him to get, get the minutes if he's going to be in my team. Yeah. Again, I don't. I know it sounds quite blase. I don't really care. Where he plays but FPL.
3: Yeah, but if he plays.
2: It's, that's the thing. That's the problem with him. It's just him being on the pitch consistently. Yeah.
3: Because know, we saw the graph earlier, been... didn't we? How he
2: compares, you know, he had higher, you know, stats than, than Saka, for example.
3: But I, I do wonder, like Seb said, whether this is just who he is in FPL playing for Man City. Is, is he ever going to get the minutes to get above 150, 160 points in a season? But obviously that's not how you look at it. You don't look at the season. You look at those bursts that he has. Like and those players that got on him just before Christmas were absolutely loving life. And the players that got him just after Christmas were not loving life so much. So it's it's uh, it's really hard to know when they get him, isn't it? Those
4: but those people sound very, very smart and clever and They weren't. They were. were. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 no. um, <laughs> just Kirill, want to say as well, I feel like Rafina is like just a nailed on signing for City. I've yeah, not paid no. attention this summer, so maybe he's not, but Surely Rafina comes in and plays right wing and that's that sorted. Well they're looking it looks at like um, Foden played Lise, both aren't yesterday.
3: They? Oh, are they? Sorry Lise? to interrupt there. Yeah. Foden played both. He was I as in he was
2: on the right and yeah. he was playing the Gundo role. I know role.
3: Disable came out and said that it, it's either, but it's looking more likely he'll be the Gundo role. Um which really? is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh Kirill says a bold prediction who scores the most points over the first five game weeks Foden, Darwin or Bruno Seb? <laughs> if, if people are listening on the pod, Seb just uh <laughs> nodded at me quite uh enthusiastically a few times there. like um, Joey from Friends. It <laughs> wasn't it, yeah. How, how are you, you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um right, uh oh, someone just mentioned there um oh I can't see where it's gone now though. Here we go. Nuclear atoms. Are some Man United fans deluded? to think Hoyland will just kick off immediately. Rich, do not mention Man United fans being deluded, but what do you think about Hoyland?
2: I mean, he's very young. He's not scored many goals. I know from watching international football, he's very highly rated, as in like in a lot of fantasy games, people like picking him. Yeah. Um. I don't have much of an opinion on him. I mean, I, I saw, I'm also very careful what I say man united but i saw obviously your record fees of players you bought
3: yeah there's
2: not many who've been successful i i do i mean every time you sign someone for big money i think oh this is going to be it like with with sancho for example but i guess you've got a better manager now
3: yeah and better people making those decisions you think
2: he's actually going to play regularly to begin with
3: not to start but he's going to need time big time yeah because he's young yeah, because he's young, because he needs to be protected. And I think Ten Hag is one of those managers that will protect him. I don't think he's just going to shove him in there and say, be our striker. But he's got an awful lot of attributes that are great. I think, you know, he's going to be one of those players that I do like him. And I think he's going to suit the way Ten Hag wants to play. He's that player that can bring the ball down and, you know, protect it and bring other players in, which is perfect when you look at our wingers and the fact that he can occupy those defenders and people like Bruno is going to be, you know, loving life. But he's not going to be... That player straight away, he needs time. And I think anybody going with him straight away is more out of either hope or they're a Man United fan that's got excited, if that makes sense. Onana, yeah. I could always understand. like I could understand people going for him with the fixtures and with how good defensively they were last year, Seb. But I think if you're going for Hoyland, I think that's more you're excited think, than anything else. I think Onana's a
4: good pick. I just yeah. I chill, out, chill out with the point expectations.
3: Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, Hoyland's been it's a pretty big overpayment, but Man United tax is real, right? You know, there's no... Oh, yeah. yeah. FPL, it doesn't matter what they paid in real life. Uh, I don't think he's an FPL option yet. And in terms of, you've basically chosen to do the anti-Casemiro, right? You've overpaid again, but this time for the opposite reason, which is potential as opposed to current production. Yeah. He's currently got 20 90s in a top five league, which obviously was Serie A last season. Yeah. Got, was it nine goals from about nine XG? So mm-hmm. fine, has all the attributes. But it's one of those where like you've paid for what he will become, not what he currently is. Yeah, big big fee, and the wages were higher than I expected as well. Mm-hmm. So I I think the value proposition is is dodgy. But if your other alternative was Kane and you couldn't have made that work, eh, Fair enough. If he comes good, you've probably done what I wanted you to do with Casemiro, which was you know look to build to yeah. the future rather than try and solve now. So. I can't have it both ways. I can't criticise both of them.
3: <laughs> you can, and people do. And um, I will try, but I'll yeah. be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, lovely stuff. Uh, chat, like I said, I think we we um, peaked at about 750 people there. Thank you so much for listening uh, and so much for watching as well. If this is your first time watching ScoutCast or listening to ScoutCast, I hope you enjoyed it. And please join us every week. We absolutely love doing this. And like I said, we are literally here every week. We're quite reliable. There was only one week last year where none of us were available because we were all ill. Um but we love doing this every week and we love to see more and more people watching and listening. If you did enjoy it, make sure you like it and make sure you mention it on Twitter as well. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter too. We will start this community team group chat tomorrow. So make sure you're available for that if you are if you want to be involved. Uh, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed yourself tonight.
2: Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for having me. Um... Yeah, I'm glad we don't start any later. Let's put it that way. But it's been good. We've covered a lot. And I I feel like we could have covered a lot more.
3: It was going to be like that tonight, wasn't it? It was always going to be a bit of a longer one. So apologies. Uh, But thank you so much for joining us. And Seb, I hope you enjoyed yourself as well, Bub. I really
4: did. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having us back.
3: Yeah. And we will see you all next Monday where we will show you our proper teams. Obviously, they won't be locked in but at least you'll get to see them uh, as close to deadline as possible. Right, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.